welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And welcome into episode 100, guys. Triple digits. Triple digits. To celebrate, we're actually just doing a clip show tonight. So I'm going to roll this thing. We've got about two hours worth of just clips from our past 100 shows teed up. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, we will catch you guys next week. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Yep. No, we're not actually going to do that. Gotcha. Kind of <laughs> wish that would have made my, well, I feel like clipping 100 shows would have been infinitely more difficult than just recording the show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's the only thing that saved you guys from from the montage of uh, of earlier episodes. No, but um, yeah, guys, we are, we're in season here, week two in the books. Uh, honestly, one of the more exciting weekends of college football that I can remember. I know... You know, we tend to to view things that have just happened a little more favorably, but uh, but but man, I mean, upsets galore, ton of G five over P five type type matchups, ton of really close games as well. I mean, just overall, uh, a really 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 good weekend of college football. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, pretty excited with this one. Now, I did didn't get to watch anything from the noon game besides the Penn State Ohio game because I was with family, uh, and we just. We all put that one on. We watched that game only. No flipping channels during commercials. We're just locked into the Penn State game. But uh, the rest of the slate of games, fantastic. Um, Houston, Texas Tech, overtime, that was a good one. Um, Baylor and BYU was a great late game. So, like, every just tons of games. Um, App State, AM, so many good ones. Yeah, so happy to see AM lose, man. They're just so annoying. I'll never root for that school to do anything good. How's uh, Desmond Howard's playoff prediction working out, by the way? <laughs> well, you know, there's with the amount of chaos so far, one loss might get you in. So let's not rule out <laughs> Desmond Howard yet. Um, I think that's, you know, <laughs> do that at our own peril with how the first couple weeks here have gone. Um, all right, guys, we're going to get into our normal uh, in-season routine here. Uh, first off, just want to ask you if you have not headed over to campusdecanton.com yet. What are you doing? What are you doing? All sorts of really good information over there, guys, that we can't uh, present on the podcast here, for instance. You know, a ton of different uh, updates from from all across college football, whether it be uh, CFF, whether it be betting, DFS, whether it's C2C stuff. I mean, we can't cover all these games in one episode, guys. We've got like four or five games that we highlight each week, and there's, you know, 50, 60, 70 of them. So go ahead, check out campusdecanton.com um, and then all the other shows that we have going on over there during the regular season. Uh, college football mornings we uh we do our we chip in tuesday mornings talk about some waiver wire stuff uh that goes out every morning on our youtube channel uh saturdays are really where it's at though guys we start off every morning on better sports network 8 to 10 a.m uh, download the free better sports app if you have not been on there yet no membership or anything required to listen to us on there we just talk college football for two hours uh, a really 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 fun show and then we do the tailgate 10 30 to noon on our youtube channel uh gets you ready for all the games at night, College Fantasy Tonight um, kind of ramps everything up uh, from the day, instant reactions, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and then, there, I mean, just the YouTube channel is where it's at. Go ahead, check that out. There's probably something on there daily for you. Week two review, Colin. Week two review. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start off here with Texas Alabama. Probably the game the of the week. The most watched game, on, the most watched streamed game on Fox Sports of all time. Yeah, yeah, crazy. And I, th- I think I saw the Texas broke their attendance record too. Yeah. So um, lots of people uh, watching this one, lots of eyeballs on it. And we got to watch Quinn Ewers light it up for a 
about a quarter, and he got hurt. <laughs> Damn it, it's just those are luck. Um, I don't know if it was the more difficult opponent or or what kind of unlocked something here in Quinn this week. Um, wasn't perfect, but he was very, very sharp. Um, I think Texas would have scored, I don't know, 35 points this week if Quinn was in the whole game. Like they they looked like they were gonna they were gonna have a tough time stopping them, especially the deep ball. He they it was open all day. That the speed was definitely giving Alabama issues, and then he got injured, obviously. Shoulder sounds like a four to six week injury here. But I mean, I think as far as talking points will go from this game, you want to talk about, you know, is Bama on the downside or, you know, Bryce Young's Heisman moment at the end. And we'll get to that in a second. But I think the Quinn Ewers uh, storyline is, is as compelling, if not more than any of the other ones that come out of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we kind of had some questions. Some of us had some questions all off season about Quinn Ewers and, you know, whether he was going to win this starting job, how he was going to look. Uh, week one was not really a ringing endorsement. You know, it left more questions and answers and then came out on fire just to, to start the game there. Um, just really a shame that he gets injured there. Um, you know, Hudson card wasn't terrible, um, you know, in, in relief against that. I'll, I'll say he wasn't as bad as I would have thought he would have looked against Alabama. Um, we'll see if he can keep the ship upright. Um, but I think this is still going to be Quinn Ewer's job when he gets back. I do too. I, I there's zero chance. And, and I will actually, so I, I covered the pit game this week for uh, college fantasy tonight. And I talked about it. Like I've been a Slovis hater. I gave him a ton of credit for hanging tough in that game. A ton of credit to Hudson card too. In this one who was injured at the end of it, it could, could kind of like barely walk. He had this, this QB, like this scramble on their final drive where the whole right side of the field opened up because Bama knew he was injured. They were, they weren't spying him or anything. And he, you, you could see the wheels turning. Like, he's like, do I have to, I think I have to. And he took off and he was limping. He barely made it, <laughs> but he made it to the first down marker. Um, so like a, a really gutsy performance from him and he didn't do anything to cost them that game. Really? I mean, at the end of the day, he's just not that good. Like he, he did not actively uh, hurt them this game, but, but I mean, you were Yours was sharp. Yeah, he missed one or two, but there were a couple different plays where he had pressure in his face. We've been saying it, guys. Like these, the different arm angles and stuff that he can throw from, and it's effortless. Just makes it so easy for him to kind of get the ball off where it doesn't look like it's possible, and he zips it in twenty-five yards downfield. He, he had one to, to uh, Whittington that stands out in particular where that happened, um, throwing to his his left, and he hit him right in stride. Like he's he's a dangerous passer, guys. If he can just get more reps basically I think is what he needs at this point uh I still have high very 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 high hopes for him I would be lying if I said that there was never any doubt that crept into my mind never I, mean, I have to listen to Felix just sit there and crap on him for an hour every week um but I I mean I I he looked like the kid that I I pictured him being I mean just and the nice thing is the throwing the shoulder that he injured is not his throwing shoulder it's not right. throwing so there's no worry about him coming back and um as long as he doesn't fall on it again or whatever, uh, it's not going to impact you know his throwing motion or anything like that. He should come back and be fine. I mean, I I I, I fully expect that down the the home stretch for Texas. So I think he's a major stock up guy. We're not going to talk about him in the stock up stock down section, are we? Did you put him down? I did not put him down there. It's hard to put him as a stock up for two reasons. One, his stock was already pretty high um, for most people, and two. The injury 
kind of derails this little bit of success that he had here to build upon. It's definitely not a stock down or anything like that. I'm not overly worried about it, um, but it can't, I don't think you can call him a stock up. Yeah. And I'm going to honestly would say stock up for all of Texas. Like they, we expected that offensive line to be poor this year. They did a pretty good job this weekend, at least in pass protection. And we expected this defense to need some work, and they were flying to the ball. Like, honestly, I've texted talk about Texas as a team was not on the show sheet here. Texas really impressed me. They really, really did. And we, we don't need to have a discussion about that unless you have anything to add to that column. But I just, they look like they looked in this game how I expected them to look next year. Like, we, yeah. we've been saying, you know, Texas is probably like an eight or nine win team. Next year is the year when Quinn's in his third year, when, when Worthy's year order, they get Nayor back, they bring in this really great freshman class. They have all these true freshmen across the offensive line. I think they said they were starting two freshmen and then another guard who it like he was like in a second year and it was his first year starting. So like they, they I mean, it's a brand new offensive line. The tight end is in his first year, really. Like the whole team is. And they they really, really impressed me this week. And now watch they're going to go out and, and crap the bed this week. Yep. But um, without a doubt. Uh, yeah. But I think one of the most underrated hires uh, of this uh, offseason cycle was Gary Patterson coming in as a special assistant um, for the Sark defense. Gary Patterson, former TCU head coach, kind of an unceremonious end to his time in TCU. But before that, I mean, TCU's defense was always really their calling card. He's really known as a a defensive guru. And I I think this was a really nice hire for them. And we saw uh, a market improvement from this defense in a game that's up against a high-powered offense. Yes, exactly. Um, Bijan is the natural next place to go here, I think. Uh, I don't really have anything else to say about this guy. I mean, we said sit him just because I thought he'd get game scripted out a little bit, yeah. but he didn't. And even though he didn't rush for a ton of yardage, he caught several passes, had like 70 yards receiving at a touchdown in that that arena. It's just his ability to pick up difficult yardage that I think sets him apart from guys like Travion. Um, who who kind of also reside at the top of, of most rankings. Like it, there are so many plays where it looks like there he will lose yardage and he can get two, three, four yards in those situations. And that is so, so valuable. Like that's almost more valuable than a guy that is kind of like a, a front runner, you know, like he hits the hole real hard. And when it's there, he's gone. Like I would almost rather have the guy that can turn the, the terrible situation into something neutral to keep in front of the sticks, you know, keep keep the yardage piling up here. And I think he does that better than any running back I've seen in college in the past three, four, five years. He's just it's it's uncanny. Yeah. And, you know, everybody wants to compare him to, to Saquon Barkley, you know, in terms of his size, his athleticism, his receiving ability. He does that better than Barkley. Um, Barkley has a lot of plays that will go for, you know, one yard or um, you know, go for some negative yardage. So he has those plays. Now he also has those, you know, 75 yard runs where he jukes three guys out of his, sh- out of their shoes and truck sticks another and hurdles a third. And then, you know, into the end okay, zone. Okay. Calm down college. <laughs> um, but you know, he, he does, you know, Bijan does, uh, pick up those tough yards, uh, when there's nothing there better than uh, a player like Barkley. And, I think that, like you said, is one of the things that really makes him stand out amongst the running backs in the past couple classes. Like, I, he's just he's a special talent, and he's going to be a first round running back. Yeah, he is. I think it's pretty locked in. I think this performance, like I think scouts, 
have seen enough at this point. Like I really, yeah. unless he, I mean, knock on wood, something happens, but I really think that, that that's, that's pretty much a, a yeah. foregone conclusion at this point. Uh, I don't know if we really need to talk about Xavier worthy too much, but I, it, I think it's notable, you know, week one was not really involved in this offense at all. Nine targets this week, uh, tied for the team lead, uh, five catches, 97 yards, dropped a touchdown that he should have had. Uh, it was a tricky catch, but you know, you'd expect a guy of his pedigree to, to haul it in. Um, so I, I think that probably assuages any concerns that anybody had about a sophomore slump or something for though We'll see how he does with card when he comes back here now. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how he does with card. Um, Cause card card is a nice arm, but he doesn't have the arm Ewers does where like that Ewers worthy combination, like you said, early on in that game, going over the top, that's something that's going to be deadly. Card doesn't quite have that, but I still think Worthy is a good enough player and Card is a good enough quarterback that is a competent enough quarterback that I, I still think they'll be okay. Let's head over to the other side of this game here. Alabama, you know, 2019, they pulled this one out at the end, and it's Bryce Young that does it for them. Uh, not a great fantasy day for him, under 20 fantasy points on the day. But time and time again, when Alabama needs him to do something, he comes up big at the end of this one, final drive, uh, third down, I believe, uh, uh, a safety blitz off the edge that they don't see pre-snap. A uh, guy comes totally off the edge, completely unmarked, uh, full head of steam. Um, and Bryce Young just ducks under, <laughs> ducks right under him, um, uh, scrambles, and then you know the rest is history, ends up winning that game late. Um I mean, this might be a year where he's not an amazing fantasy option. I think he, I think it's pretty certain that he underperforms what he did last year. But man, I mean, I think he's he's gonna he's impressing NFL teams more than than maybe some empty stats would. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he you know just looked so poised down the stretch in this one, and I have yet to see him rattled really in in any game in his you know year and two games starting here he just seems to have it as a quarterback and, and then you know good passer as well anticipates well um, when he's allowed to run and we can get outside the pocket he can do that too I know there's concerns about his size um, translating to the next level uh, but I, I still think he is going to translate well I think this is going to be a top five NFL draft pick here and I think he's going to have a a long successful NFL career here. Um, just like you said, he's been impressing scouts with his play more than, you know, with his stats. The receiver situation here has not been great. I think that partially plays into um, his, his, uh, his weaker stat lines here, here through two weeks. There were a lot of plays where you could just tell, like, if someone's open, Young is going to find them. Like, I just think that's that's just a fact. And there were a lot of plays where he was sitting back there for a while because nobody was getting open. Um, they went to Jameer Gibbs early in this one. He led the team with nine targets. First, the first drive, I think he had four catches. Like they, that, he was. It was clear that the game plan early was get it to Gibbs uh, out in space, kind of let him work. He he got a touchdown at the end of the day as well in the receiving game. But outside of that, Colin, the target breakdown for Bama this weekend. Kobe Prentice had six targets. Cameron Latu had six targets. Ja'Cory Brooks, who sat early and kind of came into the game late and became a factor there on the last drive, four targets. Treshawn Holden had three. Jermaine Burton had three. Your guy there. And then Jace McClellan had one. 
Like that's not a super promising target distribution and no one really did anything with those targets outside of Gibbs and Brooks who did not have a great statistical day, but was very, very clutch down the stretch uh, for them when they needed him as well. Yeah, I think that's kind of a big story here is Alabama's receiving core. I mean, given all of the resources that they put into that receiving core the past two years, um, you know, the the vaunted 2021 uh, freshman class that, you know, now looks maybe not quite as good as what we thought it was, um, you know, JoJo Earl hurt. So hard to knock him on that one. But, you know, uh, the that recruiting class hasn't turned out quite the way we thought it would. They bring in several uh transfers Jermaine Burton Tyler Harrell Tyler Harrell also been hurt so he hasn't really been out there but it doesn't sound like he had been making enough noise to warrant starting consideration um and then you know they they bring in this other freshman class here this year now Kobe Prentice's look solid too but just all the resources they've poured into this and they still can't get a go-to receiver outside of Gibbs and that is a troubling trend uh, it's tr- especially troubling for, you know, somebody like myself who have was so high on Jermaine Burton. I really thought he was going to be able to stand out and be that go-to guy. And he really has not thus far through the year. So, uh, you know, you'll talk about him a little bit later, but definitely concerning with this receiving core. Yeah, not great there. Um, and they weren't that effective running the ball either. Uh, Jace McClellan was really the standout in this one as a rusher. Um, but it was mostly to one really long touchdown run that he had in the first quarter there, uh, six for 97 and one for him. But like I said, that you take out that long run, which I, I know we can't play that game, but like, I mean, definitely would without that run, they, the team finishes with like 80 receiving or rushing yards on the day because Bryce Young had seven carries for 38 yards. Jameer Gibbs had nine for 22. And then Roy Dell Williams had two for four. Like this was not a stellar day on the ground. And a lot of it can be blamed on the line. Like, I don't know how much better this will get. And we didn't think that Texas would be a super difficult matchup for them on the ground. They haven't really been the last year or two. Now maybe they are improving. They looked, they looked much better, but I think this is cause for concern too. I mean, this Bama team might, might legitimately struggle to move the ball uh, once they get to sec play here. They Cause I don't, I don't think Texas overall, they were hyped for this game. I don't know if they're like a top sec level defense. No, I definitely don't think they're a top sec level defense yet. Um, you know, I think, Oh yeah. Throwing around. Yeah. I think they will be. Okay. I think they could get there with, you know, within, you know, maybe next year they have some nice pieces coming in there. Like another year with Gary Patterson helping them out. Um, We could see that, but yeah, this Alabama team that everybody thought was head and shoulders above everybody else. You know, it was really Bama, Georgia, Ohio state is the top three and then a pretty large gap to everybody else. And, Bama was pretty widely regarded as the number one team in the country ahead of Georgia and Bama, uh, Ohio State. And we're seeing some chinks in this armor here. You know, the offensive line not great. The receiver's not able to really separate here. Uh, Quinn Ewers moved the ball well against them in the first quarter. I think they'll still get it figured out. But, you know, if, if I had a, if I had a future on them women that winning the national title, I might be a little bit a uh, little bit worried. Yeah, I'd be worried, too. I think Georgia's looked so much better than they have so far this year. Um, And we're going to give Georgia their due here uh, in just a minute. Um, Arkansas-South Carolina call. And let's switch up games here. We've talked talked quite a bit about Texas-Alabama here. Um, This was not really that close of a game, but I still think there's a lot of uh, fun fantasy implications that we can take away from this. And, yes, we talked about uh, Arkansas last week. So, sorry, guys. We're talking about Arkansas two weeks in a row. 
Um, go Hogs. <laughs> but I think it has to start with Rocket Sanders. They gave him the bell cow workload again, and he had a huge day again against the South Carolina front seven that we thought would give him much more trouble than they ran into last week against Cincy. 24 carries, 156 yards, two touchdowns, just looked really, really dynamic again this weekend. And he threw in another three catches for 30-ish yards. I mean, that's that's been his line the past couple weeks. That He's just a Man, a sec, we talked last week, you know, we, is he a top three back in his class? Man, were we shooting too low? Is he number two? I mean, that's I yeah. I, I mean, yeah, he has looked Braylon really Allen good. did nothing this week, by the way. Yeah. Throwing that out there. Yeah. Uh, Rocket Sanders looks like everything we wanted Antonio Gibson to be and more. Um, he looks good as a rusher. Uh, he's been efficient and he's done it against two good teams. I mean, Cincy and South Carolina are not pushovers. Um, I think the South Carolina team is a good team. They have a, they have a brutal schedule. Um, so they probably won't, their record won't reflect. I, th- I think the the quality of the team in general, but they're still an sec team. Uh, Cincy still one of the best G five teams out there. They could beat some P five teams as well. Like this is, he's done it against some good competition. Uh, and he's been scoring touchdowns too. You know, one of the things we're kind of worried about with him is KJ Jefferson as a quarterback, likely to vulture some touchdowns around the goal line. And KJ Jefferson has done what KJ Jefferson does, but Sanders hasn't let it affect him. Uh, And then you throw in that passing game work. And, you know, last week I said, I wasn't really ready to put him up there and I might have to reconsider here. You know, I think you have to put him at least at bar minimum above Shipley. Yeah, I think he's been every like just so much better than Shipley over the course of their careers. And I get that Clemson's not um, been a bastion of, you know, a plus offensive play here for the past year and a half or whatever. But I mean, yeah, I I don't see how you can't do that. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's got the receiving chops. I mean, it's it's a package here that I think is not that easy to find. So, I mean, I, I, I thought it was worth mentioning just this game almost again, just just for Rocket Sanders. I did just want to shout out as well. I mean, KJ Jefferson was his normal self, um, you know, effective rushing the ball right around 200 yards passing. Uh, no one else really stood out on the receiving end of things. I was hoping that Trey Knox would kind of have a, a second big week in a row. But I do think it is interesting to know Drew Sanders, who was a former five-star um, like edge linebacker type guy that was at Bama, transferred out this year. Uh, Saban has said repeatedly that he would have been a starter for Bama this year. And he was all over the place for Arkansas. So for IDP folks out there, uh, we we dabble. We dabble. And Drew Sanders was really, really, really good this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Drew Sanders was a guy that, um, you know, Alabama has a lot of studs there on defense. And when Saban kind of indicates that he's hurt that he lost the guy, you, you should you should take note. And. Yeah, we dabble in IDP. We we have um, IDP top scoring up there. We uh, by Justice, our newest hire over there. He's going to be bringing some CFF C two C IDP content. So if that's your thing, definitely still ch- uh, definitely check that out over at the site. Yeah, um, for South Carolina, Spencer Rattler. I think at this point in time, we can be out on him. I don't think he's even really intriguing anymore. If you look at the box score, a decent day for him. Uh, 376 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Um, but he was not sharp, and he missed a ton of deep passes, which is supposed to be his calling card. So um, 
I, I I was trying to give him the benefit of that. I said, you know, maybe new, new situation. There's still some weapons there. Um, but I think I, I think I've dropped him like 15, 20 places in my rankings this week. And him and Buckner both like just took big drops for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would agree with that at this point. I we, we said, you know, maybe Rattler can rehab his stock uh, in the SEC to a point where he's you know, very late first round, maybe like an earlier second round type of a guy. And I don't think I see that at this point Um, on tools alone. You know, he could probably still get drafted somewhere on day two if he, you know, can improve a little bit here in SEC play. Yes. I hear you chuckling. I hear you chuckling. Um, But I think that's his ceiling at this point. Um, You know, he, he still has to improve a little bit, but he's, his stock has taken a huge, huge hit. I think he's going to interview really poorly. I think so too. Yeah. I think that's going to really, really hurt him as well. Uh, two other things of note here, Colin, real quick. I don't know if we want to have discussions on them or not. I'll, I'll leave that up to you. Uh, Antoine Wells, eight catches, 189 yards and a touchdown uh, was definitely the main receiving threat there uh, on the day for South Carolina. How dare you with the Amari and Brown slander? He had a catch. He he actually looked his way a couple times deep, which is where I was really noticing. Like he just wasn't even close on the passes to Brown. Um, and then the other storyline, real quick, like Marshawn Lloyd, his rushing day wasn't great. Uh, seven carries, twenty three yards. Did have a touchdown. The touchdown was was pretty nice. Uh, the little move that he put on to score that. But six catches for seventy two yards. I mean, almost almost a hundred yard day for him on thirteen touches and a touchdown. I think he's looked pretty good this year. Uh, and I, I actually watched uh, about a half of the, I watched like the second and third quarters of this game, like the, the middle half. And um, I thought he looked good. Like I, I, they, they couldn't run the ball cause they were down by so much. Um, but I, he, he adds some depth to this class, whether he ends up going back or not, he's already been injured once, you know, he might not want to do that, but I, he's a guy that I think could be there in the mid to late second round of rookie drafts. If you're in a rookie draft for, uh, next year or, uh, but I, I think there's going to be value there because I think he he might go in the fourth round. He might, uh, depending on how his knee looks and checks out. Yeah, um, I mean, he's a guy that I, if I didn't already own him in a lot of places, I would be floating some offers out there and trying to get him because, you know, like you said, um, he didn't, statistically wasn't a great day on the ground. Seven for 23, not great, but Arkansas is a good defense. They're a good team. Um and the the story though is the receiving usage. I mean, six catches for seventy two yards. You know, that's that's a nice day. And he was their second leading receiver on the team in this one. Um, you know, he was involved in the receiving game in game one too. I think that's going to be a trend. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be the lead back here, and that is what we wanted to see. You know, I, I know uh, pre injury, you and I were both pretty high on him. Uh, I had some hope coming into last year. Uh, and then that hope started to wane a little bit. I still, I ended up taking him in one or two places because like everybody was out on him and I still had a little bit of hope, but the hope is, uh, the hope's growing here. You know, the seedling of hope is, is starting to grow and, and I would float some offers out there. We have a listener league with the, uh, oh, at Debbie debate, uh, 14 teamer and draft was just a, was just a bloodbath last year. All our sleepers were gone so early. I, Lloyd fell to me, and I was like, "Well, I think I have to take him. I don't, I don't know that I have an option here." Um, and now I'm pretty happy that I did. I, I think people forget that he, or if you don't know, if you're if you're newer to uh, everything here, he was 
considered on the same level. Like it was Bijan was still thought of very highly coming out of high school. Like he was the clear yeah. number one. But then after him, there was kind of the tank, Jameer Gibbs, Marshawn Lloyd, Zach and Evans. Kendall Milton, and Zach. Like that was kind of the next tier. And everyone, you know, kind of, I think everyone liked all of them. And then it was kind of, you know, mix and match to who was your guy. And Lloyd was considered, you know, very much in the same tier as those guys. So um, I think if he can just be healthy, then um, then then we've definitely got a fun discussion on our hands there. Um Let's leave that one, Colin. Let's go over to Texas Tech-Houston, a game, another one that I had to cover here for uh, College Fantasy tonight. And look, this game was so fun that it ended up not being fun at the end. I just <laughs> wanted it to be over. Neither of these teams could sustain a drive. Neither of these teams could hold onto the ball. It was kind of rough. Um, I don't – like, I think either team could have won. You would have said I would. They, they, they deserved that win. But at, at Texas Tech ends up pulling this one out. They win in overtime. Um, by three, um, <laughs> the over under was 62 and a half. Colin, you said you Woo! basically hit a parlay off of this yes. one. Yes, um, I did. Donovan, I, 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 I was, I, I had resigned myself on that parlay. I was like, there's no way this hits. Yeah. Yeah. So, so lucky there for Colin. Donovan Smith stepped in a quarterback for Texas Tech this week. You know, we all offseason said, like, he's a super dynamic guy. Like, we love him. How does he fit in with Zach Kittley? And, we thought we got our answer when they said he doesn't because it sounded like, well, Chuck got the job. And then it sounded like Baron Morton had also been very impressive. I was getting ready for him to transfer. Or I don't know where next, somewhere not fun next year. They probably would have killed his, any sort of NFL dreams, but then lo and behold, Chuck gets hurt. Smith steps in last week, looks pretty good. And then this week, 36 for 58, 351 yards, two touchdowns. I, fine saying that um but he just he in big moments carried this team um he was dangerous rushing the ball he ran in for the game-winning touchdown um uh, what he had 28 yards on the day i think he had more than that like i think that's including sacks um i don't know man like what are we doing with donovan smith like does he even keep this job when chuck comes back like honestly don't know yeah, I, I don't have a great answer for you there either, to be honest. I, I like I thought he was going to be the odd man out. I thought this was going to be Morton. Um, they gave it to Smith, and he's been pretty up and down. Um, a little rough around the edges, but like you said, he's been dynamic. Uh, you know, he, he brings a, a threat with his legs that these other guys don't. And we hadn't really seen Kitley use that, but maybe it was because he didn't have anybody like that to use you know he had zappy and you know that is definitely not his strong suit now that he is a quarterback who can do it we're seeing it a little bit here um so as long as shuck is the starter or as long as smith is the starting quarterback and shuck is out uh, i am definitely interested in smith for a cff purpose but i don't have a good feel on his his grasp on this job yet i don't think he has really seized it to the point where Okay, he is not relinquishing this job. Um, this was a nice win for Texas Tech. Uh, you know, I on the uh, Saturday morning show I picked Houston, but nice win by Texas Tech. But I don't think Smith has done anything to really solidify this as his job yet. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not sure he solidified it, but like, man, like I said, I don't. I don't. He hasn't lost it either. He he just kind of has it. Like you watch him and you're just like, yeah, like that, that's, that's a dude who, who 
can be a really good player, at least here in college. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be rooting for him. I think a lot of us here at C2C like him. Um, and again, certainly didn't lose in this game, which, you know, uh, I think is great. The bigger discussion point here on Texas Tech, though, is just like, what are we doing with these wide receivers? We thought Miles Price would be the guy. He plays the same role as Jarrett Stearns does. Jarrett Stearns was amazing last year, got heavily targeted in the slot there for Western Kentucky. We said, you know, this, this is Stearns sweet. Like, what else do we have here? And he's been really just kind of maddening. He had a, a nice catch and run for a touchdown. Quiet day other than that. Five catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. Was not the most targeted guy here on the day. Uh, Jaron Bradley, uh, who we talked a lot about last week, six for 50. No scores for him, but Smith looked his way. I believe he was most targeted. He had 12. Nehemiah Martinez. Look, guys, I talk college football in season on six shows a week and out of season on three. I've never heard of this dude ever. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote a hundred and something profiles for guides this year. I edited even more than that. I I've never heard of this guy. I have zero idea who this dude is, but, (laughs) but Smith liked him too. He caught a big touchdown. He's kind of a thicker slot guy, five seventy six and one for him. Is he a factor? Potentially, I'm uh, Fungi, your guy, Colin. I think he uh, he had he played more snaps this week. Uh, not a hugely productive day, um, but I mean, I th- we're just gonna be playing whack a mole with these wide receivers all, all season. I, it feels that way to me. Yeah, this is gonna be this is kind of frustrating, and it's definitely not as clear cut as we thought it was. If I if I had spent an early pick on Miles Price, I would definitely be sweating at this point. Um, and not so much just the stat line, you know, you don't want to over, you don't want to panic too much on some stat lines here, but just his usage hasn't been quite as high as what we thought it was going to be. Um, but I will say one player that usage has one surprised me overall and, and has been a, a bright spot on this offense is Taj Brooks. Uh, he had a really nice game this game, 18 for 80 and a touchdown on the ground. Also five catches for 34 yards through the air. Um, you know, and he was involved in the in the passing game again last week. So, uh, you know, this is Taj Brooks. Is is he the is he the most interesting offensive player on this roster outside the quarterback right now? I'm going to say no because I'm not sure that he's going to be able to get maintain the volume. But he did look good this weekend. Um, I I like Taj Brooks. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that they've officially kind of handed this over to him and taken it away from Sir Roderick Thompson because I think he's. Uh, the better player by a fairly yeah. obvious uh, amount at where, uh, you know, at least he's the, uh, the better athlete. Um, Houston, on the other hand, uh, we were talking all off season, who is the replacement for Alt McCaskill who's done for the year here. Brandon Campbell transferred over from USC, followed his running back coach over uh, and looked the part 16 carries, 80 yards, a touchdown, another four for 54 receiving did get injured at the end of this one. So we'll be watching there, but that could be a really nice one 2 punch next year. Campbell and McCaskill might end up neutering them for fantasy purposes, but um, it's going to make Houston a pretty darn uh, difficult team to stop. Yeah. And they're moving to the big 12. Um, so, you know, they're that, that impacts their, their draft capital outlook. You know, I think that'll matter a little bit. So, That'll definitely be a situation to monitor there next offseason. Um, and then, I mean, Nathaniel Dell and the Nathaniel Dell things. I don't think there's a ton to to uh, 
talk about there. Seven catches, 120 yards, no touchdowns, which is very annoying, but he was definitely the big weapon on the day. And I think it is worth noting as well, guys, that Golden, uh, Matthew Golden, true freshman there, did have his first receiving touchdown of the season of his career, um, but was otherwise pretty quiet on the day, two for 25. Um, but so, no longer a year one zero. Not that that one was ever really in doubt. over five catches? Well, no, but he has a touchdown. Mm, that's not one of the eight categories. Isn't it? Mm-mm. Oh, I thought it was not there yet. No, okay. Sorry. You tried. No, either way, not that that was ever really in doubt, but he's at least halfway there. So, yeah. Yep. Last game to talk about here, Colin, real quick Kentucky, Florida. Um, man. Okay. Um, we're not going to be salt <laughs> bay up in here. Um, there's already been enough of that uh, on Twitter and behind the scenes. Let's start with Kentucky here, Colin. This was billed as the battle of who's quarterback three in this class. And quite honestly, depending on who you talk to, I think there were loftier aspirations than that for some of these guys. Uh, Levis, though, 13 for 24 on the day. They really didn't ask him to to do a ton. He didn't have to. Uh, one touchdown, one interception. Um, very he, he did nothing particularly to stand out. Um, I've seen some people kind of fawning over the touchdown. He threw like a 50-yard bomb to uh, Dane Key uh, for a jumping touchdown right at the, the front of the end zone. Um, look, I would expect any NFL quarterback to be able to make that throw. Like that's like the bare minimum I would expect somebody to be able to do. So was not impressed by that throw uh, and wasn't really impressed with him on the day. But I was impressed with Key. Really, really nice catch. Um, he's He's kind of this – this like, you know, straight line springy kind of boundary guy. Like I think he can be a good player. I don't know that he'll ever be a, considered a first round guy for the NFL, but I think that he, here's your, here's your, here's your cue call. He can be a day two guy. I do think that's kind of going to be his range. I don't, three know. For eight, I don't know. Three for 83 and touchdown in this one. And he is no longer a zero. I believe he has broken um, all of the, th- like all of the receiving thresholds. I think he's over five catches and he's over a hundred yards. Um, so Good job, Dane Key, a guy that we kind of highlighted a couple couple months ago, really, that I think the, the reports are very positive about him, and it's carried over to the field. It doesn't always happen that way. Yeah, especially this early. You know, um, He, one of, if not the first wide receiver to cross that threshold, the, the wide receiver zero threshold. So, um, you know, hats off to him. You know, we were both uh, big on Barry and Brown, and Barry and Brown has been involved in this offense. Um, but Dane Key's been the one who's been the most impressive. Uh, so it looks like Kentucky has a really nice wide receiver trio with uh, Key, Barry and Brown, and Tavian Robinson. Um, I think this this is a team that, you know, once they get Chris Rodriguez back, now Cavassier Smoke was okay, um, 14 carries, 80 yards. You know, he looked all right. But once they get Chris Rodriguez back, this offense, this team could be, uh, could be a little more potent than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, they, they definitely could be dangerous here. Um, other side of the ball, because I, I mean, yeah, the running game, like you said, wasn't anything special in this one, and, and Brown um, didn't do much. Um, Florida. And I think I just have one word for, for Anthony Richardson's performance in this one, and it's it's woof. Is that, it is was, that officially a word? It is now. Um, okay. Ryan Howard on The Office, woof. Uh, different kind of look. Um, 14 for 35. Yes, you heard that correct. 14 for 35, 143 yards, no touchdowns, uh, two really bad interceptions, uh, including a pick six, uh, and then did nothing on the ground. Kentucky's defense is obviously much more formidable than 
Utah's was. And I think they were able to kind of get in his face and spy him on a level where Utah wasn't. But it also feels like Richardson is kind of trying to do the Malik Willis thing where he's trying to prove the point that he can do it within the pocket. And that did not work out for him in this one at all. It it honestly probably hurt him a little bit because he had one, maybe two throws in this one that were uh, pretty good. And then the rest was just really, really bad. Yeah, he um, as good as he looked in week one, he looked as bad here in week two. So, um, you know, we won't really rehash all of this, especially given, you know, Twitter and everything like that. But, um, you know, if you drew any conclusions from week one, other than that was nice, um, tough look in this one, same token though, you know, it just says that he needs to improve. You know, he looks nice at times, not so nice at other times. And, um, you know, we can, we can, wait to see the full year before making an entire judgment. Yep. Just, just like it was wrong to, uh, to victory lap after week one, it is wrong uh, to victory lap after week two. I'm not, I'm not going to draw any longer conclusions from this one, but I do think he can't have more than one other, one of these games this year. I, I, I think that he has to be pretty darn good from here on out. And Florida has some tough games left on their schedule. So there's very little room for error for him. Um, you have to wonder what um, what happens to his draft stock if he isn't, you know, stellar the rest of the year. Because I mean, you, you just you can't put four stinkers on tape and then declare and expect to be that guy. Like I just I don't think that's I I can't remember a guy doing that in recent times. Um, and that's the thing with Richardson right now. It seems like it's kind of all or nothing. And when the all is is there. Uh, it's very, very good, but when the when it's it's the nothing side, um, uh, not not it hurts. Great. Yes, yeah, yeah. He needs to do a better job of not hurting his team too. Um, but we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. I still think the most likely scenario, though, is he comes back for another year. Um, that's kind of where yep. that's kind of where I've been landing uh, on this is that he would make some strides this year, um, but not anything good enough to definitively come out i think he can come back continue to improve and and then potentially be a first rounder oh i agree um i think the other notable uh performances here are the two new running backs there for florida they have 30 attempts on the day uh naquan wright anthony richardson combined for 14 and on those 14 carries they got 28 yards no touchdowns montreal johnson and trevor Etienne, on the other hand colin combined for 16 carries 108 yards and a touchdown much more dynamic between those two. I believe I saw they're both averaging over seven yards, a rush this season. ETN has been your guy, Colin. Um, so I'm just going to toss this to you. You can talk whatever, you, whatever smack you want here about ETN, and then we'll, uh, <laughs> then we'll move on to the next segment here. Um, I will, I won't talk too much smack here. Um, you know, I, I just, I thought everybody was too low on ETN. I saw some really nice traits on there. You know, you guys, um, made, uh, made jokes, about about him being a little pudgy and his and even brother together, did this yeah. week too. <laughs> yeah, even even um, even Travis Etienne joked about uh, Trevor's weight at times, but he looks a little slimmer, uh, you know. And and either way, he was he still looked explosive on times of tape uh, on tape. I think the biggest takeaway for me here is one, 
his usage this early uh, in his career, you know, true freshman. Uh, and he's out there. He had the most carries on this team um, and he had the rushing touchdown. So uh, the usage, very, very encouraging. He has not been really used as a pass catcher much. And that's actually one of the things I really liked on his tape. So I thought he was a good pass catcher. So I'll be curious to see if they utilize him in that way moving forward. Yeah, um, I, f- I feel much better that his brother said that now because I can end up being wrong on him, but I was not wrong in the moment. Like He was <laughs> definitely a fat kid out there playing running back. Um, so kudos to him for um, really putting in the work this offseason. You can tell that he did that. Um, just a couple of bullet points here. No more full games that we're going to care uh, cover, Colin. Um, J.J. McCarthy named the starting quarterback for Michigan after his performance this week against Hawaii. I think we all thought this was probably going to happen unless he went out and, and pulled an Anthony Richardson uh, against Kentucky. And like, he didn't even, he played like half this game. He, he was 11 for 12, 229 yards, three touchdowns. It was Hawaii. Hawaii is bad. They, they, they played Duquesne this weekend and there is a legitimate chance that Duquesne like wins by more than a touchdown in this game. Um, but McCarthy was just clearly the better of the two quarterbacks. Cade McNamara got in this one late and did nothing. Um, so, you know, I've been hesitant on McCarthy. I still am very hesitant on McCarthy. I I don't think I'm going to take away any actual, you know, things from this game against Hawaii, except for the fact that he is the starter. And I think that's big, um, because there was a decent chance that if he stumbled at all in this one, he, it was over. It was over. I think, I think he really almost had to be perfect in this one. And he was so good, good for him. Yeah, I, I, the biggest takeaway, you know, from this one, like you said, it's not his stat line. Yeah, 11 of 12, nice, but it's Hawaii. Um, the big takeaway here is that he is named the starter um, for for next week as well. And, you know, he was rehabbing that injury all offseason, uh, you know, in, into the fall camp. He was healthy in fall. We kind of thought, okay, yeah, this is still going to be Cade's job. And, you know, they, it seems like he is going to be the starting QB moving forward, which was not something that I expected this year. So we'll see how he improves as a passer. Uh, we'll see how he plays as a, as, as a quarterback, as a player. But um, it's, it's got to be a stock up for him compared to where you and I had him, where we didn't think he was going to be the starter. Yeah. Um, stack season. Uh, if you've got any of these stacks, you're probably feeling pretty good about how things are going to go for you, at least. Uh, from your quarterback and, and his top option, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison had themselves a really nice week. Addison had a couple of touchdowns. Um, just lo- he's he's got great chemistry there with Williams already. It's very apparent. Uh, Todd Santeo and Chris Thornton. We talked a little bit about Thornton last week, but they've both been pretty good. Thornton with another couple of touchdowns this week. And then Dylan Gabriel, Marvin Mims. Uh, Mims, okay, week one. Uh, really, really, really big week two here. Um, Oklahoma's passing attack. Um, the focal point of the offense, I think the running game hasn't really gotten going yet. So, um, I, I think if you have either any of those three stacks, I think you're feeling uh, pretty good about it as we head, uh, deeper into the season here. Yeah. Uh, there's a pretty common theme here though, is one of those stacks is not like the other. Um, one of those stacks is much, much cheaper, uh, Senteo and Thornton, and those could be difference makers for your CFF side. Yeah. Yeah, um, I uh, I've been putting out feelers for Thornton all week. So um, Michael Trigg, finally, finally, it's only been it's only been two games. We weren't that uh, worried, were we, Colin? I I don't know. No, I wasn't that worried. Uh, I mean, he looked good in that game. 
Um, I actually went back and rewatched that one this morning because I was I wanted to see more specifically and really focus in on how Dart played because um, I was getting yeah. a little bit worried about Dart. Um, I I mean it's hard to take away anything from Central Arkansas against an FCS opponent, but um, Dart tested that that defense over the top multiple multiple times, whereas Luke Altmeyer tried and failed. Um, part of that, is, I think, was the shoulder injury that he suffered. Now, it does sound like Altmeyer is going to uh, be available, but I do think Dart's going to be the starting quarterback here moving forward. Um, he looked he looked good, but uh, Trigg in the game also looked very good. He had a couple of nice touchdowns there around the goal line too. Uh, one, he was moved in motion, um, came around on a sweep, and then took a little dump off pass into the end zone. Um, he actually should have had another touchdown, but he thought he was in, and then there was a defender there as he turned around. Um, so he thought he had an easy one there, but uh, no, he his usage very encouraging. Um, last one here for you, Colin. The Tulsa passing attack. Davis Brin was not very good last year, so I don't know where this has come from. But it's not like the schedule gets obscenely difficult because I, I was looking at this a little bit um, for a couple different articles this week. But the top three receivers there, Keelan Stokes, a sixth-year guy, um, 24 targets on the year so far, 19 catches, 304 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Juan Carlos Santana uh, through two games, 21 targets, and then 11 catches, 189 yards, three touchdowns for him. Malachi Jones, uh, 18 targets, 10 catches, 164 yards, one touchdown. You could do a lot worse than having any of these guys on your team. I highlighted Stokes in the waiver article just because I think He's not really getting red zone looks, but it doesn't matter for him. I just that, that he he's so dynamic with the ball and can just get open that I think you know I don't, I don't really care if he's getting touchdowns. He's getting getting a lot of other looks, um, but I, I'm just surprised that they're supporting three receivers here. Maybe you know Jones fewer targets, fewer receptions. Maybe he ends up dropping off, but I, all three of these guys have been very very good so far this year. Yeah, I, I think supporting three is is very surprising. Um, Keelan Stokes is a guy who you know he he got hurt last year. Uh, but before that, you know, he was the focal point of their passing attack uh, before that. So not necessarily surprised to see him um, leading the passing attack, but it is a surprise to see these kind of gaudy numbers through the first two weeks, you know, 304 yards, two touchdowns. He's averaging over 150 yards and a touchdown each week. You know, this is um, a very encouraging performance from him, especially for a guy who's likely out on your waiver wires. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But he said, I think Malachi Jones might be the guy who falls off um, as this kind of goes along. But Santana, Juan Carlos Santana, also uh, pretty nice, pretty nice performance so far. Yes, all three of those guys intriguing. All right, Colin, before we get into stock up, stock down, uh, waiver wire, all that good stuff. Um, this podcast is a part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, and we are in that group with a ton of other great pods. Um, so go check all of them out. Uh, you can find them all out on one place at Fantasy Points Live on Twitter. Uh, check out the, the uh, weekly Friday drop that recaps all of the shows within the media group. And then if you're looking for just another fantasy site, uh, guys, whether it's you know the college information, whether it's um, a ton of great NFL stuff, you know, they've got Scott Baird over there, Grant Barfield, uh, a ton of other uh, really great uh, writers, podcasters as well. Co- promo code CAMPUS22. It's going to get you 10% off. Uh, your sign up over there. So go ahead, check out fantasy points, stock up, stock down, Colin Um, from a CFF slash C2C slash Debbie perspective. We're going to talk about some players that we think 
went stock up, stock down this week. I'll toss it over to you, Colin. Stock up, uh, who looked good on Saturday? Uh, so this is a little bit of a homer pick for me yeah, here. but um, Come on, Colin. <laughs> uh, Drew Aller, uh, true freshman quarterback for Penn State. Um, you know, he last time we saw him, uh, the Under Armour All-American game did not look particularly good. He looked a little overmatched, did not handle pressure well. Uh, in the spring game, too, the Penn State spring game, which you can barely even call a game, it was more just seven on seven. Um, did not look that great in that one either. Uh, so I had some questions at this point. You know, I, I still believed in his talent long term, but I thought it was going to take a little bit longer. Uh, he leaves fall as the QB2. You know, came in for a drive in the uh, in the Purdue game when when Clifford went out with cramps, um, and he looked okay in that one too. Uh, and then he comes in this one too um, for Clifford, and he goes six for eight for eighty eight yards, two touchdowns. Uh, is against Ohio, but but he looked good. He handled pressure well when he faced it, um, which with this Penn State offensive line is going to be more than you want. Uh, he had a really nice two really nice balls over the top. I mean, you, you really got to see his arm strength in this one too. That was, that was impressive. Um, you know, he seems to have secured this, this QB two job here a little bit sooner than I was expecting. Um, and he's, he's looked, he's looked pretty good doing it. So um, stock up for Drew Aller. If you were a doubter or if you, you know, started to question it a little bit. Um, yeah, I was starting to question it a little bit. Uh, I thought maybe it was just a longer project, um, yep. but maybe not. Um, he's definitely not looked out of place either of the times that we've seen him so far. Uh, this Small year, sample so. size, but yes. but encouraging. Yep, yep. Really good stuff there for him so far. Uh, I put Jalen Berger down as my first one here. I First off, I, I, I did not love him coming out of high school I, I had him as like a, a tier two type running back i just thought he lacked some of the athletic um ceiling that some of the other guys in his class did and obviously he's in the class with with the Bijans. with it like he wasn't in that 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 tier we talked about earlier that was what it was kendall milton tank marshawn lloyd um gibbs, um, Evans. gibbs. yes thank you he, he was not in that grouping he was definitely after that for me but him and EJ Smith, uh, who I, yeah, I, I'm not talking about here, have kind of started to give some depth to this class, which I think is a really good thing. Um, 17 carries for 107 yards, uh, three touchdowns in this one. Yeah, it's Akron. Like, that's, that, they're not a good team. But this is two weeks in a row that he's kind of taken over the starting job there. He's definitely getting more of the first team touches, and he's looked better than Jarek Broussard. I thought that Broussard would have the leg up since he had played with Mel Tucker before over at Colorado, but Berger's got NFL size. He's over 210 pounds. I think in a straight line, he's a pretty good athlete, and I think he's looked a little looser in the hips than he did uh, early in his career, so I don't know if he's worked on that a little bit. Um, but overall, and he can catch some passes too. Like He's not a dangerous guy, but I think he's decent at it. And we talked all, all last year, you know, Michigan State doesn't throw to their running backs. Kenneth Walker, that was a hole in his profile. So I think we'll, we'll probably end up having a similar discussion on Jalen Berger, but um, he, he's been a, a pretty good player for them this year. I think he's rewarded the folks that have hung on to him for the past couple of years when he's you know, failed at Wisconsin, lost his job, transferred out. There were some rumors that there were some attitude issues. I haven't heard a peep from him this year. So stock up for Jalen Berger, uh, and, and Michigan State has done a really good job replacing Kenneth Walker there um, and, and really hasn't skipped a, a beat in that regard. Yeah, I um 
I was admittedly a little low on Berger coming out as well. Uh, and then was never really a big fan of his. And then it leaves Wisconsin. Like you said, there were a little bit of rumors about potentially an attitude issue. We didn't really know who was going to start here in this one. I believe, um, I believe Phil Steele had Jarek Broussard projected as the starter um, for pretty much the same reasons that, that you and, and I both did, you know, his familiarity with Tucker um, and Berger has, has played well. Uh, I dropped him way down my stand, my, my rankings and, it's time to move him way back up. Um, you know, it, it also seems like uh, Michigan State is the place for transfer running backs to come and and kind of uh, recoup some of their their shine at at some point. You know, it's the uh, the the new place to go. Yeah, I, it's like the the Bama's Bama is to coaching as Michigan State is to um, you know players rehabbing their stock, <laughs> um, rehabbing stock. I, I mean, you've got a guy that's also in this like this running back class, man. I some of these guys are going to go back; they're going to pull a Charbonnet. But like, damn, this class is legit. Like eight, nine, ten running backs deep. Yeah. It's, it's so gross. It is, yeah, and it's it's needed. Um, you know, we're seeing potentially a changing of the guard here at, at running back in the NFL as some of these guys are getting a little bit older. Your Derrick Henrys getting a little bit older. Um, you know, some of those guys, but. Uh, my next stock up here is Jace McClellan running back for Alabama. Uh, you know, we, we highlighted him a little bit earlier here. Uh, he was the, looked like the, the best runner uh, for Alabama in that game against Texas. He's been more efficient than Gibbs on the season as a rusher. Uh, 11 carries, 120 yards and a touchdown, including 181 yard run. He's got that long, long speed here. He gets involved in the passing game. He had three catches, 27 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, he's the clear-cut RB2 behind Gibbs. And, you know, we had some questions going into this year of where he was going to fall in. Uh, you know, he was kind of a similar profile to Gibbs, so we didn't know whether he was going to be, you know, Gibbs, whether Gibbs was going to have like a lightning roll to a Trey Sanders or a Roy Dell Williams thunder, uh, and then how McClellan would fit in. And it seems like they don't really – need a lightning and thunder they want lightning and lightning um mcclellan has uh ha has been involved early and has looked good and and he's rehabbing his stock here a little bit after uh after that injured year last year yeah he, top top spark guy uh in, in the class i mean just like you said uber uber athlete um if he can consistently win between run between the tackles which is something we haven't really seen from him then i think it's wheels up because yeah he was he was their receiving back last year as a 215 pound like back i mean you don't see that a lot so um yeah could he i think he can have at minimum a couple years in the nfl where he's really 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 good um so my second guy here stetson bennett um <laughs> yeah um what the hell um so look through two if games, you had austin talks uh stetson bennett stock up on your bingo card um congrats because you're the only one i mean i think he's gonna dip a little bit once he gets into to conference play but so far this year two games 75 percent completion percentage 668 yards through the air three touchdowns no interceptions um this is not the stetson bennett that i pictured seeing a couple years ago and i gotta say like i we've been very critical of um monk in there and, and some of these guys because they they have failed with some of the guys that are super super talented to kind of get them to that next level but they've done a really good job with these guys that are like middling to average and like 
you know, getting guys like over that kind of hump, which is not like if I'm this really factored in, we would argue a lot behind the scenes with, with Jared, our, um, our our RTHead CFF guy about this. Who's, who's a big Georgia fan. He was saying, I'm telling you, we're hearing that Arch is going to Georgia because he wants to work with Munkin. And I was like, Munkin is like, it matters with a guy like that because he's never gotten a guy really to the NFL. Like, but he's, he's made um, Bennett look good. He made, um, from? The guy that sent Justin Fields passing from yes, he made Jake Fromm look really good. Like he he's overall done a pretty good job with these guys that aren't anything special. So um, kudos to them. And I mean, I think you know we we were talking about the quarterback being a a position where maybe you were just you know you kind of hide them and you're like whoa like oh we can run the ball really really well on a bunch so that we don't have to pass the ball and put our quarterback in uncomfortable situations. I think they could put. Like if I was a Georgia fan, I wouldn't feel amazing about it, obviously. But like if it came down to one game against Bama, I have the ball with like a minute and a half left on my own twenty, and I have to tell Stetson Bennett, like we have no timeouts, you got to do this thing. I would feel so much better about that now than I did a year ago. Um, so, like that's a stock up in its own right. He could get be a sixth or seventh round pick. I tweeted yeah. this out because we were joking about it, and I think it could legitimately happen. Like. If I was an NFL franchise, I would take him over DJU, who has regressed over three years, has not improved at all, and mechanically is a mess. If I'm just looking for a sixth or seventh round backup, I'm so much happier to take Bennett because I think Bennett could be that guy. He could be Chase Daniel or whatever that you know you plug in here or there. He plays a couple snaps. He doesn't lose you a game. Like I think he he doesn't have any tools like at all. But I I wouldn't worry about him like kind of hanging around on NFL rosters for a while. I think he will. Yeah, I I wrote up in I don't even remember exactly whose profile it was for the Devi guide um, about uh, Stetson Bennett likely being a guy who sells insurance in the future. And sounds like he I, I do think that he could get drafted now and then stick around for a little while. Stock down, Colin. Uh, stock down for me is a passing offense, and that is Utah State's passing offense, you know. This is an offense last year where Logan Bonner wasn't under the radar CFF guy. He was, you know, a, a guy who you could plug in and start at times. Devin Tompkins was a, one of the top uh, CFF wide receivers. Uh, I believe he was top three, if I'm remembering off the top of my head, but a top five guy. And this passing offense has been terrible. Uh, they were not particularly good in week one. Uh, and the week two, obviously they get Alabama. We were like, okay, you know, it's Bama. We'll give them a pass. They played Weber state this week. They got thrashed. They got absolutely smacked this week. 35 to seven, uh, four INTs from their quarterbacks, uh, Logan Bonner and Cooper Lega, Lego, um, four INTs there. They had 41 pass attempts to 35 rushes. So they've been running the ball more. And I think maybe it's because they know these quarterbacks aren't particularly good. I don't know. Uh, none of their wide receivers have double digit targets through none of their wide receivers with double digit targets through three games have a catch percentage over 60%. You know, that's Cobbs. That's McGriff. That is Kyle Van Leeuwen. Um Van Leeuwen. They're not <laughs> booing. They're Van, They're Van Leeuwen. Van Leeuwen. <laughs> um, you know, those three wide receivers have been very clearly the top three wide receivers, but whether they're just not very good, whether these quarterbacks aren't very good, whether it's a combination, this whole passing game has just been disconnected. So 
this was an offense that I thought you could target and, and get some cheap CFF production, and it's seeming like that's not the case this year. Yeah, Cobbs has really let me down. I've started him a couple places. Um, week one wasn't bad, uh, and obviously I didn't play him. <laughs> didn't yeah. play him for for obvious reasons last week against Bama. Um, but uh, yeah, surprisingly, um, not not uh, been a great season for them. Yeah, it, it, I mean, do, do you think Bonner's toast? Do you think that's the issue here for sure? Yeah, I think Bonner's toast. I mean, he's got to be what like thirty five by now. I mean, <laughs> he's older than me. Yeah. He's he's been in the he's been no, he's in college not. for a while. He's yeah. he he's at least a sixth year guy. Um yeah, I, I think he's kind of toast at this point. Three interceptions in this one, just not a good showing. Yeah, not um uh, not ideal for them. You know who else hasn't had any great showings this year? Colin Daniel Ngata running back at Arizona State. Um this guy has waited his turn and he's waited his turn. He's waited his turn. <laughs> uh, at what point do we just decide that maybe you don't get a turn because you're not that good? I mean, I know that game script hasn't necessarily gone Arizona State's way, at least didn't in this last game, but he's being horribly outperformed by Xavier Valade there. Um, through two games this year, 10 carries for 60 yards against Northern Arizona, who's so bad that they don't even have a link that you can click on on the sports <laughs> reference. Like, just got to go looking elsewhere for that. Not a good team. And then against Oklahoma State this past week, didn't do anything. And he's supposed to be this uber receiver, uh, one reception on the year. I, 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 I think, like, at this point, he's almost a pure roster clogger. Now, granted... Like, does Arizona State have another guy that can step in and overtake him next year? Tevin White's there. We liked him. He's a true freshman. Hasn't been playing a ton this year. But, I mean, it, everyone was like, it's in God's turn. And then they went out and found another guy. Like, I think they'll just continue to do that. And I would be shocked if it's not a new coaching staff this offseason, which means they're going to be looking for their own guys anyway. So, um, I, I just think, like, he's barely rosterable at this point. Like, if you've got to make some tough cut decisions at some point when you're, you know, down the stretch as you're – solidifying a team or, or making that last waiver pickup or two, I would not be scared to drop him really. I mean, you have to have a pretty solid team to like have nobody worse than him, but um, he's definitely a, a contender. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he just, he was never a guy that I was a huge fan of. Um, and this is kind of the nail in the coffin there, but just quick aside uh, while we're talking Arizona state, Elijah Badger looking okay. Yeah. Looking like finally. Yeah. There. And there's, um, we, I think we were talking about this the other day. Was this you that I was talking about with? There's just enough context there for me to pretend that the first two years never happened. And like, <laughs> oh, yep. he's a late breakout. But like COVID and academic ineligibility, like, come on. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to view him. But um, finally, finally, one yeah. of our two guys there broke out. I'll be Bunkley Shelton still not doing shit over at Oklahoma. But yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um. Anyway, last Stock down for me here. Uh, this is a guy I highlighted in my sits column last week. Um, Stefan Cobbs uh, for Boise State. Look, this passing attack has just not been good. Um, but Cobbs isn't even really involved much anymore. Uh, he had zero catches this past week. One carry for seven yards. He did return four punts. Um, but he only played 41 snaps. 41 of their 64 snaps. There's I couldn't find any injury news here for him. Uh, he just, he's gotten passed on the depth chart too. It seems like by, um, Caples and I can't remember the other guy there who's been playing more than him, but he just, he's not an every down guy for them. So big stock down here for him. This hurts because I have a lot of cobs, but, 
I don't think he's startable for you for CFF until future notice. And he is most definitely not Khalil Shakir 2.0. Nope. I, uh, I, I agree. I, I think he's toast at this point. All right. Um, my last talk down here, Colin Jermaine Burton. I know he's your guy. I know he's your guy. So I apologize. Okay. Um, and again, you know, two, two touchdowns week one really kind of saved that week from a, a volume perspective was not impressive. We've talked about how this wide receiver room needs somebody to step up and through two games, he hasn't done it. Like, is he just going to end up being a, an, a Mark has uh, a Valdez Scantling kind of guy that is like, you know, you can't really rely on him all the time. He's got this big playability. He can be a bit guy in the NFL, but never takes that next step. I'm starting to wonder if that ends up just being the guy that he is. I mean, we still obviously, you know, he's at Bama. He has a, he has a chance to correct this because there ain't nobody there that's doing anything. Um, but I need to see him kind of right the ship quickly here. I mean, seven catches, 45 yards, and two, and two touchdowns. And guess what? The defenses aren't going to get any easier in conference, guys. In fact, I, I would wager that they're going to be more difficult. So Burton was a guy that I thought could flirt with. like a, you, I think he was like eight or ninth in my rankings at wide receiver going into the season. I don't know if I updated my wide receivers yet or not, but when I do here this week, he will not be in the top 10. Probably won't be in the top 15. I just – he needed to do something a little more immediate. I Like I, I don't need to see – it's his third year. You know, at this point, like – He's that the pace is what it is. Like he's with a great quarterback. There's not more of a perfect situation for you to step into. So Burton, I'm sorry, buddy, but I'm done with you. I'm done. As, as one of his biggest truthers here, um, he's definitely a stock down. Uh, I'm not done. I'm not ready to throw the towel in here. I think Alabama's passing attack as a whole has not been that good. I think they will get this righted. Um, I think they will, this passing attack will, will get better as the season goes on here. So, and, and I'm hoping that he will be a beneficiary of that, but somebody will be. Uh, I just have too much faith in Alabama and, and in Bryce Young for this trend to continue, but definitely very worrying, definitely stock down. Um, and I don't know if I can remember a, a Saban team that has gotten worse down the stretch. They definitely usually get better as the season goes on. So yes, there, there is still is time, but the clock is ticking there. Waiver wire here, guys. Um, again, there's like a ton of places to look for waiver wire information at campus Uh, we do the waiver Tuesdays on the YouTube channel on college football mornings. We do this bit here on the show every week. We do. Uh, I, I, I write a waiver article every week. Uh, Jared on, on chasing the natty, their early week episode, um, does a whole segment on it as well. So, um, plenty of, plenty of opinions floating around, uh, campus to Canton in terms of waivers. And as always, if you have a question and you're in our discord, feel free to drop it in there and we are happy to answer it for you. We're going to highlight some guys here that we think are, are nice ads this week. We're not going to go too into detail because, again, we've already written and talked about these so many different places. If you want more information, um, you can feel free to reach out to us, and we can certainly help you out. We talked about Keelon Stokes earlier in that Tulsa passing attack. The targets are there. The efficiency's there. If he could just – I mean, he's got a touchdown every game. Like, I, if he can continue this – he doesn't have to have 130 to 150 yards every week, but – you know, 10-ish targets plus, and then, you know, 8 to 10 catches a week. I mean, I, I think that's very sustainable for him. He's a guy that I, I really would be happy targeting on waivers this week. If you had 
you know, a hundred dollars of, of, of fab still left and you didn't know how to spend it. What would you spend on him calling third 25, 30, if it's limited waivers, I wouldn't probably go higher than that. But, well, um, if I have, if I have a hundred dollars left, um, and it's you only had a hundred, I only had a hundred. Yeah. Okay. Um, then, then yeah, I would, I would probably spend about, about 30%. Um, okay. you know, we've had a guy every week, uh, on our, on our waiver ad here that has been like, you know what, this is a guy that you could start every single week you know chuck Welcome sizzle from last week you're not going to get him but i think you could get really really nice production and, and an every week starter from stokes yeah yeah uh the other guy here is a guy that i highlighted last week a little bit um luke musgrave the tight end from oregon state um he is injured this week he's out this week but i still think you can pick him up you know it's it's more about his usage. Uh, he's got a 30% target share so far through the year. He's leading Oregon State in targets. Lines up out wide or in the slot almost 50% of the time. Um, eight out of 12. So he's getting used in a, in a way that's very productive for fantasy. Um, not the highest ceiling guy, but you know he, he can be a week-in, week-out starter for you once he gets back healthy. Yeah, I, I really, really like him. For, you know, the freak list and, and all the factors you just listed uh, lead him to be a pretty intriguing guy. If you're playing in a CFF heavier league, guys, uh, Kalen LeBorn might have already been picked up, but he is floating around a couple of my leagues that have some limited waivers. I think teams were hesitant to spend up on a guy that maybe only had a week or two. There's no Rasheen Ali return in sight, or at least not one that we've heard about. Uh, no timetable given for him uh, to come back to the team. I think you just got to start taking these points where you can get them, guys. And LeBorn has been really, really good the past couple of weeks. They played um, their, probably their toughest matchup of the year here against Notre Dame, and he still put up 100-plus yards and a score. So as long as as Ali is out, I he, he's a guy that I think you can just plug in and be pretty happy with. Even on limited waivers, I'm happy to go get LeBorn. I'm not going to blow a lot of my fab on him because, again, you know, Ali could, they could say tomorrow Ali's back, but I don't think he will be. Um, and LeBorn in the meantime, quite the option for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's worth a pickup at this point. Uh, next guys we have on the list here are is the wide receiver duo from FAU, Florida Atlantic, LeJonte Wester and Jamal Edrine. Um, FAU's passing attack has been good here throughout the early part of the season, even with Nikosi Perry uh, at the helm here. So if, if this passing attack can continue, um, you know, both of these guys could be flex plays uh, on a week to week basis. And then um, Edrine is, is a, a redshirt freshman. So, you know, he's a second year guy. So you've got a couple of years left with him. Um, he could be productive for a couple of years for you. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not spending a ton on him on either of these guys. Yeah. Five to a, 10, but yeah. Yeah. Not really a ton there. I might even go less than that. Um, Dur- or, I'll go Quaylen Jones next year, uh, running back Baylor. We want that Baylor running back. We thought it could be Tim McWilliams. He's been a little under underwhelming, and now he's been dinged up. Uh, Jones, uh, blast from the past there, a guy that a couple years ago was kind of a hot sleeper, uh, borderline three, four-star guy, really nice athlete, uh, really good size, um, just a good player overall. Um, and he got 16 carries this weekend, uh, two touchdowns, had 60-ish yards rushing as well. They can support multiple running backs. I, I think that by the end of the year, it's not outlandish to say that he could be one of Evner Smith, you know, kind of the combo from last year. Uh, so I, I like Jones, and he has a couple years left on campus there too. So, and there's maybe something there for the NFL. Not a not a day one guy, not a day two guy, but I think he could float around for a little bit because of how big and athletic he is. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Baylor two put two running backs into the NFL this past year. Um, you know, they weren't overly high draft picks or anything like that, uh, but still still worth something. Uh, the next two here is the is a duo from Georgia Southern. Um, Derwin Burgess, the wide receiver, and Kyle Van Treese, the quarterback. Van Treese is a guy that I highlighted last week, uh, and I think at this point I would go ahead and pick him up. Uh, he had 46 pass attempts in week one. Week two, he had 56 pass attempts. Uh, week one, 367 yards passing. Week two, 409 yards passing. So over 350 yards, over 45 pass attempts each week. This is a Clay Helton offense. These guys are just going to gonna throw the ball. Uh, and Van Trees has been good so far. You know, week two here, that 56 pass attempts, 409 yards, that was against Nebraska. It's a power five team. They're not special, but still a power five team. So I think at this point I would pick up Van Trees and then Derwin Burgess, his wide receiver, uh, went 12 for 119 uh, this past week, and, and he seems to be the primary beneficiary in this passing offense. So, uh, you know, if they're going to throw the ball a lot, he's going to get a lot of catches. We argued all offseason about who would be the wide receiver at Arkansas State, and, and Jeff Foreman, Tavellis Hunt were kind of the two names thrown around. Well, guess what? It's neither of those guys. It is Champ Fleming's. 17 catches on the year and 17 targets, 227 yards, a touchdown. Uh, when they've called on him, he's been good. And, I mean, this is a fairly, you know, they, they pass the ball a decent amount. They They tend to kind of give it to one or two guys more than anybody else. He's the favorite there right now. I think he's worth an ad. I think he could be a nice flex play for people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's definitely not Jeff Foreman. I have a couple of him hanging around and he I, is, I dropped him this week on waivers yep. in one or two places. Yep. Yep. yep I'm cutting them. Um, another guy to throw on the watch list here, uh, quarterback from South Alabama, Carter Bradley, um, he had 260 yards and three passing touchdowns week one with another rushing touchdown, um, 354 yards, three touchdowns this week. Uh, I did have an interception, but, uh, the South Alabama team, the offense looks pretty good. Um, LaDamian Webb has looked pretty good. The passing offense has looked pretty good. Um, if he keeps putting up performances like this, three touchdowns uh, and gets that type of passing volume, uh, he's a guy that could be, uh, could be spot starter for you at times. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think that's going to do it then for for our um, waiver wire segment here, guys. Um, we'll hop into Real or Imagined, and then we will hit our famous start sick competition. And we do have a very difficult question. We do. For the audience that we're going to have to figure out here. Um, but we'll go Real or Imagined first. And just as a reminder, this is a segment where I kind of give a proclamation as to something that has happened so far in college football uh, or hasn't happened. And Colin's going to tell me whether uh, that's a good take or whether, you know, we need to stick with it a little bit longer. So first off, we've just got one quarterback one this week, Colin, because we've already talked uh, about quite a few of these guys. And I, I, um, speci- I, I, I left this out on purpose earlier. So Tyler Buckner is going to be out for a few weeks here. It sounds like he has a sprained shoulder. Uh, non-throwing arm, very similar to what um, Quinn Ewers has, but obviously not as prolific as, as Ewers this season thus far. So stick a fork in Tyler Buckner, Colin. He's done. Um, I, if you've got him, you're, you're moving him for whatever you can find at this point. Um, mostly real. Um, mostly real. Now, I think his Debbie potential is pretty much done at this point. I mean, he just has not played enough football. Uh, you know, his, he got hurt, um, in high school, missed the full year, played his junior year and looked good, missed 
senior year due to COVID. Uh, used sparingly last year uh, in some like sub packages and stuff, and it was really his turn to be the guy. Then he slips, falls down some stairs or something allegedly in the off season, hurts his hurts his ankle. Don't say it like that. It makes it sound like someone pushed him. <laughs> okay, well we don't know allegedly, exactly what happened. They it was said... a it was a mob hit. He hadn't paid his debts. <laughs> Come on, Colin. Um, but he he's banged up. He's banged up again. He wasn't bad in the Ohio State game, but he wasn't good. And he was not particularly good early in this one before the injury. So has not played enough football for me to feel good about his Debbie potential. He could still make some strides, but uh, I'm I'm pretty much out on him from that perspective. So he's going to be dropping pretty far down my, my rankings here. The only thing I will say is from a CFF perspective, um, next year he could be worth something you know he's dynamic with his legs uh and i don't see them bringing in any unless they go to the transfer portal which notre dame has not typically been known to do um unless they go to the transfer portal i i think he'll probably be the starter next year so he could bring some cff production but i if i can find a believer out there i'm selling all righty, let's head on to the running backs here, Colin. I've got three to make up for only one running or one quarterback. So we'll start with this one. Uh, Evan Hall, who won Campus to Canton's uh, Player of the Week this week, will be this year's running back fantasy MVP. Um, I think he will be in contention for it. Uh, I think he has provided a ton of value for you so far, but I think as they get into the heart of Big Ten play, uh, his numbers will take a little bit of a hit um, to the point where you won't probably think he's the MVP. But that doesn't mean he hasn't been very good so far, and that doesn't mean he won't have people who would vote him the MVP. He would be in the others receiving votes candidate, I think, by the end of the year. Okay, fair enough. Um, this one, Nick Singleton was our freshman, uh, of the week. So we're, we're hitting both of these guys here in quick succession. Uh, Nick Singleton, freshman running back at Penn state, a guy that we've all said, it's a matter of if not when, or when, when not a matter. Yeah. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when that's what I was looking for, that he would end up being the starting running back at Penn state. 170-ish yards this week so far through two games, Colin, 20 carries, 210 yards, two touchdowns. Nick Singleton should get 20 touches every game going forward, full stop. Um, 20 touches is a tough line. Wrong uh, answer. Wrong answer. You're gone. 20 touches is a tough line. Um, I would – yeah – yeah, he, he should get 20 touches. I, I wouldn't want to overwork him uh, because I do like Katron Allen. But, yeah, he should get a lot of, a lot more work moving forward. Um, and it's something I might talk about a little bit later. But I don't necessarily trust the staff to actually do it. So the should is a key word there. I wouldn't want to overwork him, Colin. Come on. That's just weak. Um, hey, I'm I looking think- out for the team. I think he should definitely get 20 touches moving forward. I mean, he's been easily the most explosive back on that team. And to be honest, like where else are explosive plays on that offense coming from on a team that lacks that capability? Why wouldn't you be putting him in there as much as possible? I'm not telling saying give him 40, but Braylon Allen got 20 plus carries down the stretch last year, starting like what game four. 
And that really gave Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin would have won seven games last year without without um, without him. I, I don't have any doubt about that, Breland Allen. So, yeah, I think he should get 20 touches. I mean, even if they're losing, yes, he should get 20 touches every game. Well, yeah, if they're losing, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, get him in there. And I do think they need to use him more. But, uh, like I said, that 20 touch line is right around the edge. I think you got to do it. Um, all right. Last one here, the running backs calling them will flip to wide receiver. Jalen Berger, who we talked about earlier, and EJ Smith, the running back for um, uh, Stanford, uh, had a good game against USC this weekend, left with an injury, so another one that we'll be monitoring there over the next uh, few days. But Jalen Berger and EJ Smith should both go day two in the NFL draft. Full stop. Um, No. No, there's a lot. I, I know it's a running joke with me. There's a lot of running backs that I think could go day two, some that I think should go day two. Um, Jalen Berger and EJ Smith have both looked very good so far this year. Um, if one of them should go day two, it would be EJ Smith with that pass catching ability. Um, I just think that well, I want to see a little bit more from Berger. He just beat up on Akron. You know, let's see how he does in Big Ten play. Um, and even if he does perform well, I, I his skill set, I think, is just in the NFL is just replaceable. Okay, so no, to both of them. Interesting. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I would probably agree, but I think there's a chance. Um, I think there's are, a chance. Are either of them worse backs than Brian Robinson? Um, no, probably not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and part of my, like, they have a chance thing, a lot of that comes from, like, their school that they attended. Both of these guys attend a big enough school where there is a path there. I just don't think, I, I don't think they're going to get there. Yeah, that path um, might be a little overgrown at this point. You got to get the machete out. Um, two wide receiver questions for you, Colin. This first one that is a fun one. I've been thinking about this the past couple of days. So Chris Thornton, Charlie Jones, Bryce Ford Wheaton and Keelan Stokes are all currently wide receiver ones. All four finish the season as wide receiver ones. And let's pretend that in this scenario, nobody gets hurt and everybody loves everybody. Right, right. I'm not going to say anybody getting hurt or anything like <laughs> well, that. The money, the easy money is that somebody gets injured. I'm taking the under. Yeah, don't I mean, do that. Yes, that is the easy money. But <laughs> um, I'm going to say no. Because there's four of them here. Which one is least like is is the one that's going to break this, Colin? I would probably say Stokes. Okay. Um, but I do like all four of these guys. I mean, mm -hmm. when you have four players, these four players would make up uh, a third of the top wide receivers. They it would be thirty three percent. Just playing the numbers, I'm going to say no. But I like all of them. And I would not be upset if I had to start any of them week in, week out. I um, My sentiments, almost exactly. I think Stokes would be the guy that's most likely to drop out, but I do think he can hang around. Um, and I'm curious to see. I think it'll be a fun battle between those three guys and, and one or two other names in there for, um, for, for wide receiver one this year. Uh, for college fantasy purposes, last one here for you. Dane Brugler, uh, very famous draft. Uh, draft Nick for anybody that's not familiar with him um, sparked some interesting debate on Twitter this weekend when he said that 
Marvin Harrison Jr. would be the top guy in the 2023 draft at wide receiver if he were eligible. And yes, over his teammate, Jackson Smith and Jigba, as he was very quick to point out when folks asked him about it. Um, from a um, traits perspective, I don't think this is arguable. But I think there's more to the game than just traits here, Colin. I mean, what would you, you know, do you think Harrison, you would take him over JSN if you were an NFL GM and you had a top 12 pick this year, you would take him over, over JSN? Uh, as it stands right now today, no, I would not. I haven't seen quite enough from Marvin Harrison to be able to put him on that level of JSN. Now, like you said, from a traits perspective, I could absolutely see it. Um, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. probably has the best traits or if not the best, some of the best traits in college football right now. Um, the name helps too. The school helps a lot. So I can absolutely see him being some teams and some evaluators wide receiver one if he were in the 2023 class. That's not surprising at all. I haven't seen it enough to put him over JSN. And then people are also just forgetting how good Keishon Boutte was before too. Keishon Boutte, I think, has that inside-outside versatility that we're seeing um, like Justin Jefferson uh, this weekend was used all over the field in a variety of different ways. And he absolutely exploded. Um, so I think that's kind of where uh, Keishon Boutte could be. So all three of those guys, very, very good receivers. He would not be my top guy in the 2023 class yet. We need to see more. There's some good other receivers. You would take him over um, Quentin Johnston, though? Yeah, yeah, okay. uh, yeah, pretty pretty easily. Same, same. I would, too. I actually had somebody reach out to me about it today, and I said, oh, yeah, I I, I would definitely. Too. I mean, QJ, we didn't talk about him at all this episode, guys, but they threw for, like, 400 yards this week, and he had 20. Like, the dude just can't is not consistent at all, and I think at some point it becomes an issue um, with the player and not, not the quarterback when a bunch of other guys are out there uh, feasting. All right, Colin. Finally, here we are at start sits. And just to give the little spiel at the beginning, uh, we each pick 10 names, 10 starts, 10 sits. We do not give them to each other ahead of time. So these are surprises as we hear them. Uh, we kind of just rapid fire these off 30 seconds to a minute for each name. Uh, we just give a little, you know, ditty about about why we chose this particular player. Um, and, uh, then we just go head to head. We keep track each week and, uh, at the end of the season and, uh, loser O's, um, Colin won week one. Um, ooh, and ooh. then he actually won week two as well, but we do have a question for the audience that we want to issue to you guys. Do we, we need you to help settle this debate. So there are times on this show where we will say, start the, Start all of your TCU wide receivers. And we don't mean like every guy in the roster, but anybody that, you know. Fantasy relevant. Yes. Last week, Colin said to start both Trayson Potts and uh, Mo Ibrahim for Minnesota. Our line is usually at 20 points, guys, PPR. If, you, if they don't hit 20 points, we don't give it. And obviously, if you're naming two names, it ups the difficulty quite a bit. Well, Mo Ibrahim went for 26 points. He cleared the line quickly, guys. But Trey Potts. Went for 19.9. And we don't know how to settle this. I'm I'm against this. I, I the, the rule is the rule. 
You know, if we wanted it to be above 19.9, then I would have said at 19.9. So Yeah, I mean, you're you're an attorney, so obviously everything just totally black and white, zero wiggle room, no negotiating at all. Well, if it was the other side, then I would just argue that we need to be more flexible, but that's not where I am. So <laughs> here we are. Um, man, I mean, I, I don't know. If, if I started Trey Potts, uh, you know, 19.9, I'm happy with that. That was a good performance. Um, that's a, that's touchdowns. a, that's a barely make the playoff type answer right there, guys. If you're looking to barely make the playoffs, the 19.9 points is, I had, you are happy. I had somebody reach out to me and ask me, uh, who they should play. And they listed three name, four names. I think, um, I said, Corey Crooms, but I was like, Trey Potts, number two, I think he's going to have a really nice day. I don't know which way they ended up going. They didn't tell me they have not reached out since. I hope they started pots and they lost by less than five because that would have been the difference. Just well, saying. Crooms scored 26 because I said start Corey Crooms last week. I told him to start Crooms. I told him to start Crooms, but I said, mm-hmm. Trey Potts, can I have a nice week? 19.9. That's a great week for your art for an RB2 on his own team. Start him in your flex. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Okay. So the people can decide. Um, put it out on Twitter. Yes, I think that's the first time we've had that happen. Like it'd be like that <laughs> close. Yeah. Um. So. So. Uh. Yeah. We'll we'll let the people decide on that. Colin, you always start us off on the starts. So why don't you go ahead and uh, and tell us, uh, give us your first one. We'll just go back and forth. All right. Yeah. First uh, start of for me here is quarterback Colin Schley from Kent State. Uh. Look, he has he's not been good so far this year, but. He's had two rough matchups in Washington and Oklahoma. Um, two teams who I think are both good defenses. Um, two very good, perennially very good Power 5 programs. Now, Washington had a little bit of a downswing the past two years, but they've been looking good so far this year. They have a lot of talent on that defense. He gets LIU this week, Long Island uh, University. Oh, like, this is this duh. is <laughs> This is why... You drafted Colin Schley. You drafted him for these matchups. You drafted him for Mac play. You know not to start him against Washington and not start him against Oklahoma. This is the week you start him. Fire him up. I'm starting, and the, by the way, I forgot to mention earlier, guys, just in case anybody's new in here. Uh, these are non-obvious names, so we're not telling you to start B. John Robinson. We're not telling you to start Travion Henderson. We might tell you to sit one of them, but... Um, but uh, not not uh, picking just the the top names here and saying go forth. Um, Eric Gray is my first one here, running back at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He has double the carries of anybody else, double the touches of any like the the next two closest running backs uh, on the team here. Um, twenty six carries on the season for him, one hundred seventy three yards, three catches, thirty nine yards, no touchdowns yet. But Oklahoma gets Nebraska this week, who has been gashed on the ground. Um, through most of the season here i think gray finally scores at least one touchdown and i think he has over 100 yards on the ground and maybe you know a catch or two so i think he hits that 20 point threshold i i and i'm you know i'm not starting him over a travion or something like that but i you know if you've got some flex options here i think gray it could definitely be in that conversation yeah yeah i like that call they haven't been rotating quite as much as as expected um marcus major has been poaching some touchdowns but he has I, i i i can see gray getting like a 20 or 30 yarder this this week i think yeah. is really what's gonna gonna help him out there uh my second guy here is uh Jirel brock running back for iowa state um look we 
we were both proponents of Cartavius Norton on this podcast. Thought he was a bit more talented running back. Thought he would start siphoning off carries early on here. Uh, Phil Steele, um, the you know a longtime college football reporter, puts out his magazine every year. Also thought it would be Cartavius Norton. And Jirel Brock has been good. Back-to-back 100-yard games. And uh, Norton's been hurt. Let's not bury Norton has been hurt. Yes. Come on. You didn't play last week. Yes, Norton has been hurt. Um, but Jirel Brock has looked good. Um, 100 yards and five catches for 18 yards against Iowa last week. That's a very good defense. They get Ohio this week. Ohio, that Penn State just gashed on the ground. Um, that Penn State team that typically has been struggling running the ball lately. Iowa State will not do the same. Fire up Brock. I also said Brock, so it's back to you. All right. Next one for me, I got Carson Steele running back for Ball State. Um he went 26 for 147 and one uh, with one catch in 18 yards last week against Western Michigan. They get Murray state this week. Uh, Carson Steele's really been the focal point of this offense so far this year. I think that's going to continue as well against a soft matchup here. I also have Carson Steele. kind of figured based on your this, reaction. This happens sometimes. Not a lot we can do about it. Unfortunately we go on. I think, stretch. I think I should have snuck a line into the rules that Colin has to, uh, um, uh, if I, if we pick the same guy, I get him. I think that's, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, you, you threw around some accusations last week that I was, I was copying your picks on the, uh, on the, like on the sits. Um, I am going to, uh, I'm not going to throw that accusation out yet, but you did say coming into the show, you had a very busy week. So you were a little bit behind on these. No accusations here yet. No, not yet. Uh, my next one is Dominic Richardson running back for Oklahoma State. Um, he went 27 carries, 131 yards and a touchdown last week and added five catches for 44 yards. Very nice, uh, very nice little performance through the air as well. Uh, he's been pretty much dominating the touches for Oklahoma State as well. Spencer Sanders has really been the story there, but Dominic Richardson has been performing very well. Uh, they get Arkansas Pine Bluff this week. A soft cupcake matchup. I expect Richardson to have a nice day. Yeah, um, I did not put him, but uh, not not a bad one there, Collins. So I um, I, I went kind of bold on mine this week because yeah, I was busy. I didn't have a ton of time to like sit down and, and peruse through all this. CJ Donaldson. I think I'm starting him this week against Towson. This is the kind of game, you know, every tight end running back hybrid kind of guy has dual eligibility in a lot of different fan tracks leagues, kind of a cheat code at tight end because he plays running back. Uh, seven carries, 125 yards, and a touchdown week one, upped it to, I believe, 13 carries, had a couple of touchdowns last week against Kansas. Uh, easiest matchup of the year so far for them against Towson. You got to figure this is a game where they can run up the score a little bit. And this is the kind of game where he'll get a lot of touches as they try to get him some reps. I, I could see him getting 15, 18 total touches on the day because he can catch passes too, over 100 yards and a score, I think, for him on the day. I like C.J. Donaldson, especially if you have a tight end. Like I would just straight up start him as a tight end this week if I, unless I've got like Michael Mayer. Yeah, no, I, I like that call. Um, yeah, he's got that cheat code there. Uh, my next start here is Jabari Small, running back for Tennessee. Um, he's been pretty solid so far to start the year. He and Jalen Wright have been been splitting carries here, but they get Akron. Akron's defense is absolutely terrible. They just got they they struggled week one with St. Francis or week zero 
week zero, week one, um, with St. Francis of Pennsylvania. They just got destroyed on the ground by Michigan State. I think Tennessee can do something similar here to them in this one. Uh, next up for me is Caden Salter, quarterback for Liberty. Um, you know, this they're playing Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a better team. I don't have any doubt that Wake Forest is going to win this game, but Wake Forest is not great defensively. And they, they, you know, I think this will be kind of a tempo game back and forth. I could see a lot of plays being run in this one. Salter stepped in at Liberty uh, with the injury to um, their starting quarterback there. Uh, week one, two touchdowns and interception. Last week against UAB, not as good of a week uh, from a passing perspective, uh, but did add 79 yards and a touchdown on the ground. That that rushing capability gives him a really nice floor. And again, I think it's just a game where a running quarterback can really rack up some points. Um, so I, I think I'm starting Salter this week. Nice. Uh, I am starting Seth Hennigan, quarterback for Memphis this week. Um, he threw for 415 yards and two touchdowns last week. Over 30 pass attempts here both weeks. Uh, they really have, have kind of struggled to get it going on the ground lately. Uh, but Hennigan's been been solid through the air without any like real spectacular um, receiving options. And they play Arkansas State's defense. Arkansas State's defense is bad. Um, they are ranked 120th in the country um, right now overall. They are, you know, bottom, bottom tier defense. So this, this, uh, this is a soft matchup for him. Yeah, um, fair enough. There, I'm starting Jalen Daniels, the quarterback from Kansas. Um, he's been pretty good from a fantasy perspective from them this year. Uh, had a really nice week last week against uh, West Virginia. They get Tulane. Oh, sorry, no, that's Kansas State that gets Tulane this week. Kansas gets. Houston this week who gave up uh, like they were they Donovan Smith showed they're a little susceptible to some Russian quarterback type stuff can definitely make some voodoo happen there and again this is just gonna be another high scoring game I think you know uh, you know not like 70 80 90 points but I think this is a high 50s uh, low 60 type scoring matchup so which is weird to say about Kansas unless it's like 55 to 10 um, they're, they're definitely a better team this year and I, I think Daniels has been pretty good so starting Jalen Daniels um, my next start here is Champ Flemings, wide receiver for Arkansas hey, State. I know that name. Talked, talked about him, about him earlier. earlier. Yeah. Um, seven for 122, uh, and then 10 for 105 the last two weeks. Um, his target share is what's really been impressive. Um, 17 targets. Next closest on the team is seven targets. Um, so this is a guy that has just been getting a ton of volume. Uh, he operates short and in the intermediate area here, but he's a jitter, jitterbug kind of guy, so I could see him breaking off a long touchdown. He's probably a little overdue for it. He's a jitterbug, huh? Um, uh, you're going to love this one, Colin. I'm starting Jalen McMillan this week. They play Michigan Ooh. State. It's a tougher matchup for them, but I mean they're going to throw the ball. He's been really good this year. He's been their leading receiver. Um, that's all I got to say about that. No, that's fair. Um, the, the really big bummer is so I made a bet with Felix preseason and I said that we the bet and it was very specific was that Jalen McMillan out catches Jalen Cropper this year. Mm. I don't think he's going to out catch Jalen Cropper, but I think he might have like 300 more yards and three or four more touchdowns. It's going to be really annoying when he outproduces him for fantasy and Felix is still like, well, I was right. And I'm gonna be like, well, not really, but like, yes, by the letter <laughs> of the agreement that we made. Yes, you are correct. But he definitely underrated McMillan, I think. I, I think he's yeah. already kind of coming around on that one. 
I think uh, I think a lot of people did. Um, but hey, not us. It's only been especially not you. It's only been two weeks. I'm not going to sit here in victory lap. How I'm many how many weeks lap. is it okay before you can victory lap, Colin? Three, four, whole season? What are we talking? about? <sighs> Look, I'm a humble guy. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a victory lap kind of guy. I, I let my I let my record speak for itself. You know. Um, is that my, why? Is that why you don't do a lot of victory lapping? Because the the record speaks for itself. Um, I have. Uh, we'll we'll get into that off air. I got him. Um, I have I, I have some hits there, but I don't like I said humble guy. I don't like to bring him up. Um, my next start here, uh, going back to the well from last week. I'm starting Darren Granger again. Oh come on, be creative, Colin. Look, those twelve brand new names. Actually, no, I overlapped one. That's yeah, Darren Granger. Um, he had 186 yards, three touchdowns, uh, 75 yards rushing last week. Very good performance out of him. Uh, he has 11 or more rushing attempts in in both of the games so far here. So he has been bringing um, a nice value on the ground as well. Uh, they play Charlotte. Charlotte is a terrible, terrible defense. Uh, they defense. are actually ranked 130th in the country. Mm, um, that is bad. And one of those games was against an FCS opponent. So there's only one defense worse than them. Uh, I'm firing up Darren Granger with confidence. Um, I'm starting JJ McCarthy this week. <laughs> Question mark? I know you're shocked <laughs> to hear me say that. They play UConn. I think they're going to... They, they, they set this up on purpose so that he can get a nice little confidence boost going to conference play. UConn is... Not good. Logan Bonner made them look pretty bad a couple weeks ago. Once he got going, I think McCarthy can do pretty much the same. Yeah, um, and he brings a threat on the ground too. Yeah, there, so yeah, yeah, he might get just sixty yards and a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, he could I don't get think, you a sixty-yard touchdown. I, I the thing is, I don't think he'll ever throw for like three, four, five touchdowns really. But I think his rushing floor is just so nice that I think for yeah. like for a week like this against UConn, yeah, I think he's a, a decent play there. Yeah. Uh, my next start here is uh, Phil Jerkovic, uh, quarterback for uh, Boston College. Um, look, he he has struggled to get it going so far here. You know, there's there's no doubt about that. I mean, I mean, Jay Flowers or Zay Flowers um, has looked pretty good, um, but, but Jerkovic has struggled. Um, he's got 55 percent completion percentage in his passes, four touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, was very bad last week against Virginia Tech, um, but he gets a get right game this week. He gets uh, he gets Maine, so I think this is a, this is a game where he could finally pick it back up and get going and see the Jerkovic that we saw at the beginning of last year before his injury. Um, so I'm starting Dontavian Wicks this week, Ooh. and you know he was a wide receiver one last year for fantasy, new offensive coordinator, crowded wide receiver room. Virginia hasn't been very good, but he's still seen double-digit targets through both of his games so far, which I think is an encouraging sign for him. I think he's bound to do something here eventually, and they play Old Dominion this week, and Old Dominion I don't think is that good of a team. Um, we talked about this in, in – well, I didn't. I was slaving away over a, a hot Excel sheet today at work, but um, <laughs> uh, we talked about it in the in our Slack today at C2C, and, and uh, Old Dominion I think people have an inflated – um, opinion of them because of their week one win, but it's not a very good team. And I think Wicks can, can finally have his, his go-to week this week. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if there's a week you're going to start him, um, it could be this one here. Um, 
My last start here is uh, Sam Pinckney, wide receiver for Coastal Carolina. Um, week one, five targets, three catches, 69 yards and a touchdown. Uh, last week, 11 targets, seven catches, 87 yards. Uh, he's pretty clearly been the top target here in this passing offense, and he gets a Buffalo team that is bad. Uh, this Buffalo team just got shredded by Holy Cross. Uh, I think that, you know, there's always a chance that they're just going to run it up on the ground here. But this is also a team where they can throw the ball out on on Buffalo. And if anybody's going to do it for Coastal, it's Pinkney. I also chose Pinkney. So. As your last one. Uh, no, Steel was technically my last one. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, my second to last one. Yes. <laughs> All right, so Colin, if you want to read your 10 real quick, I'll read my 10, and then we'll uh, we'll move on to the sits. Yeah, uh, I got Colin Schley, uh, Jirel Brock, Carson Steele, Dominic Richardson, Jabari Small, Seth Hennigan, Champ Flemings, Darren Granger, Phil Dracovic, Sam Pinkney. And for me, I have Eric Gray, CJ Donaldson, Jarrell Brock, Kadon Salter, Jalen Daniels, Jalen McMillan, JJ McCarthy, Dontavian Wicks, Sam Pinckney, and Carson Steele. Over to the sits here, guys. Uh, I'll kick this one off. Look, there's no statistical backing for me on this one besides the fact that Malik Cunningham has just not been good so far this year. That Louisville offense has struggled. Um, I am sitting him until further notice, which I know will just completely blow up in my face. But Florida State is not a bad team by any stretch. I, I think that, that Louisville might struggle a little bit with them. Man, I just I, – I Cunningham's worrying me, man. I'm sitting him unless I just have nothing on my bench. Man, that's a tough one because and, – and that's a bold one too. I respect that because Malik Cunningham is the kind of guy who could rush for 100 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Any in the first quarter. Year. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I don't hate that call at all. Florida State has been an improved team this year. Um, and uh, Louisville has not looked good. Yeah. Uh, my first sit here, uh, you know, call me a hater, but hater. I, I'm sitting Nick Singleton this week. Um, yeah, he led the team in carries last week, 10 carries. Um, Katron Allen had six. Kevon Lee only had one. Nick Singleton got the first carries of the game. But I still don't trust this staff to feed Singleton. I don't. Um, you know, and I, I think he's likely to lead this committee after this big performance. Uh, I think he has earned more reps, and I think the coaching staff will have to almost give him more reps. But I think this is still going to be a committee. They get Auburn this week. Uh, Auburn's still an SEC team uh, with an SEC defense. <laughs> uh, they've had a soft Crazy. schedule yeah, so was... far. Uh, they've only allowed 74 and 54 yards rushing in the first two games, but again, very soft. I like Singleton. I just need to see it another week before I trust him. I'm going to do you one better. I'm sitting every running back in that game. Oh, that means Singleton. That means Katron Allen. That means Kayvon Lee. That means whoever else on Penn State. Plus, I'm sitting Tank. Devin and I'm Ford. sitting and I'm sitting who? Devin Ford. <laughs> Jarquez Hunter. Those are the guys I'm sitting. Uh, if so, if Damari Alston goes off, no, nah, I didn't list his name there. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, for, for I, I think this game's gonna not, it's gonna kind of be a, a, a really ugly slug fest. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, my, oh, is it my set next? Yep. Okay. 
Um, only down one. So yeah, yeah. Um, my next sit is Adrian Martinez. Um, look, similarly to Malik Cunningham, uh, he just has not looked good through these first two weeks. I mean, he had 53 yards rushing and 101 yards rushing uh, through these first two weeks here, but his passing has been terrible. Um, he has, uh, he just hasn't been getting the rushing volume either here. 13 carries, um, through both weeks. Um, but overall low passing volume, low rushing volume, not the same player that we were accustomed to at Nebraska. Um, I'm sitting him until further notice. Yeah. I think he's been like, what, like the second or third least accurate quarterback so far this season or something like that um, Which isn't super surprising but and yet here we are yeah um i'm sitting ontario brown this week he's not been awful 33 carries 143 yards the touchdowns are what really has saved him he's got a couple of those but vanderbilt i think is a pretty difficult matchup for them i i don't know exactly how well they'll run the ball i think they might get behind does that game script him out that that, that staff wants to run the ball anyway so I, I don't know. But if he doesn't get a touchdown, it's tough for him to be a, have a really nice fantasy day. And he's had like 13 to 15 points, which is not great his first couple of weeks here. So I, I'm sitting him, which which hurts. I mean, could he be a miss? Maybe. I don't have a lot of those. But, you know, some every now and then Superman got to bleed a little bit. So <laughs> uh, I almost picked uh, I almost picked Brown, too. Did you? Um, yeah, he was he was in strong consideration. Um, my next sit here is Mac Hippenhammer, wide receiver for uh, Miami of Ohio. Um, Just wanted to say the name. Don't. Worry. Yes. Um, he was buoyed last week by two touchdowns on four catches. Uh, that's definitely not repeatable. Uh, Brett Gabbert is out for quote a while. Uh, I have not seen a time frame. Uh, they just said a while, but his QB is a freshman who only threw for 155 yards against Robert Morris. Um, this week they get Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a solid defense. Uh, I, I can't trust Mac hip and hammer this week. Wow. Um, that, that's a, that's an interesting one here. So I know this one isn't like that bold per se, but I think, you know, this is kind of like, um, Lee Cunningham where the first couple of weeks of the season have, have steered me away until further notice. I'm sitting Byron Cardball and this is another one. I'm sitting him until I see something 11 carries through two games. 76 yards. I mean, he's been decently effective, but they don't want to run him for whatever reason. I don't know if he's still like a little injured or something like that, but I mean, I I can't do it when there's so many other running back options out there. So, so no, uh, no, no Byron Cardwell until I get a big game and I'll, I'll miss a 30 pointer or something because of it, but it's got to happen. It's got to be done. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with that either. I mean, he has looked like their most effective back, when he's been out there, they, they scored a ton of points last week. Bo Nix yeah. had like 45 fantasy points. Byron yeah. Carwell didn't get on that action barely at all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, uh, what's, what's been going on with that, but, uh, my next sit here, uh, again, kind of following the Adrian Martinez, Malik Cunningham trend. My next sits Brennan Armstrong quarterback for Virginia. Uh, he had 180 yards, zero touchdowns and two picks last week against Illinois. Uh, look, Illinois, you know, their defense is all right. You know, they look improved this year, um, but they're nothing special. And this offense for Virginia has looked as bad as we have kind of been expecting it to look this year uh, under new 
head coach Tony Elliott with Robert Anai, the former offensive coordinator, gone. Um, yeah, Armstrong threw for 246 yards, two touchdowns and a pick against Richmond in week one. That's Richmond. You know, that's that's nothing. He was saved by 100 yards on the ground, but I don't see him repeating that performance. Old Dominion's not great. And they were buoyed by that week one um, performance. But they did hold Grant Wells and Virginia Tech to 197 yards, one touchdown and four picks. They've been getting gashed on the ground lately. Uh, 136 yards rushing given up in week one, 261 yards rushing given up in week two. I think they're just going to run the ball a little bit more this week. Fair enough. Um, I'm sitting, and this is one of those where this is the last week I'll say it, and then like it, it, he's just done for the season. Like this is my official Stephon Cobb's retirement. Mm. You talked about him earlier. I think you know th- throwing the towel. It's just not going to happen this year. So, yeah, I was I was going to do Cobb's, but I did him last week. I didn't want to double dip, so I did him last week as well. But this is like oh. my final. Like oh, okay. like I I will not name him again this season unless he goes in like a huge tear here. Then I, then he's then he's eligible. Again. Okay, but All he's right. done. Fair enough. Um, another guy, a guy that I did name last week too, uh, and I'm going to name him again this week, uh, is Christopher Brooks, running back for BYU. Uh, he only had 31 yards on 13 carries last week. He did have three catches, um, but that was against a good Baylor defense. They get a Oregon this week. Um, we don't really know who Oregon is at this point. They got smashed by Georgia in week one, a very, very good team. And then they absolutely smashed East Washington, Eastern Washington this year uh, as an FCS team in week two. You know, just polar opposites of the spectrum here. I still think Oregon is a good team. I still think their defense is going to be good too. Um, so I'm not risking it with Curtis, Curtis, uh, Christopher Brooks this week. I'm sitting Zach Koontz this week. I know. I'm, I tried to go okay. a little bold on my sits, so it outweighs my my sits to punk cops. Um He's been bad so far. I, uh, Justice is an, an ODU fan. We were talking about him earlier, our, our IDP guy, and he was saying that that offense, just the quarterback, can't really get it to him. Teams are scheming him out. Ollie Jennings is really the only one functioning in the receiving game right now. Uh, I think that continues again this week. I think Koontz, I, I mean, I, this is this is a big one because you probably were expecting some pretty, pretty nice production out of him. But go get yourself a Musgrave or a Donaldson or, or one of these other guys. Because I, I mean, until I see it again, you know, I, I'm not doing it. Yeah, that's kind of, um, kind of the the trend of sits here in week three. For week three, it's you know we have two game sample size at this point. Uh, that's enough of a trend that I'm I'm off of some people until further notice. Uh, one of those guys is Jaden Reed, uh, wide receiver for Michigan State. Uh, he had six for seventy six last week. Uh, but he had two for 31 the week before that. He's actually not their leading wide receiver in terms of yards. That's Keon Coleman. Coleman. Um, yeah, six for 120. Look, they're just spreading the ball out more this year. Um, and, you know, in the passing game, they're running the ball better than I was expecting this year. I thought, you know, Peyton Thorne and and Jaden Reed would have to kind of buoy this offense a little bit, but they are, they've been running the ball well. Uh, they get Washington this week. Looks like a good defense, so, you know, Played bad teams, but I think Washington's still a good team. Uh, I'm not risking it with Jaden Reed. Next up for me, uh, I'm sitting Donovan Smith, uh, even after his his pretty nice performance. They play Baylor. I, uh, Baylor's going to look for a bounce back here. Conference game. I'm sorry. No, they play, oh, geez, they play NC State. Mm. 
but tough still. front tough front seven i think it's gonna be hard for a rushing quarterback to move around on them um and smith like again he had some flaws in the passing game three interceptions i think if he passes like he did last week i think he'll be in some trouble i know the the rushing upside gives him a floor and i'm going to regret saying this one but i think if you're expecting a 30 plus point week from him i just don't think you're going to get that so like relative to expectation i i'm not uh, in on uh, donovan smith this week yeah uh my next sit here is a guy that i've been starting for the last two weeks uh this is henry parish junior running back for miami uh he's back to back 100 yard games uh, 14 carries for 108 yards and three touchdowns uh, with three catches for 25 yards through week one. Week two, 23 carries, 109 yards and one touchdown, three more catches, 18 yards. He's been very good. Um, you know, a guy you highlighted in your bold predictions article. Um, but they get Texas A&M this week and Texas A&M is going to be pissed. They are going to come out hot. I still think this is a good team, despite that showing last week against App State. This defense is still going to be good. Uh, I think there there's going to be better weeks to play. Henry, Henry Parrish coming ahead. This is just not one of them. I'm sitting Titus Swen this week, Wyoming running back. Um, they play Air Force, which like on its on the surface is not a, a super difficult matchup. But you, you look at Swen's stats on the year, and they look pretty decent. 43 carries, 214 yards, three touchdowns. He's also played three games, guys. Wyoming is one of those teams that played Big Zero. So um, he's he's been out there a bunch so far. Um, hasn't really gotten going. He's a little banged up. He's got a rib injury. And Air Force is going to slow this tempo down, so it's not going to be a ton of opportunities for him. I think Swen's a pretty obvious set. I think you would have to score two touchdowns uh, for, for him to pay off for you this week. And I just don't like betting on guys to do that. Yeah, I, I have Titus Swen as a sit as well. Oh, um, man. Like you said, this offense just isn't good. Uh, he hasn't cracked 100 yards yet. He only has two catches. So he's not getting involved in that route. Uh, Titus Wen, I think, is, you know, I was a little bit lower on him. Um, there were some people who were high on him for CFF. I just I don't think this Wyoming team is good enough. Uh, I'm sitting DJ Matthews and Cam Camper. Um, the two wide receivers from Indiana. They had a huge week against Illinois, both of them. And they went out against Idaho last week, and they weren't terrible. Matthews had three for 51 and a touchdown, and Camper had four for 43. But it's a far cry from the 50 attempts they had against uh, Illinois, where they each had, uh, I think they had, they had 29 or 30, I think 29 targets, two of them, 17 and 12, or something like that. Um, I I just don't, I, I think they're going to struggle to continue to get that kind of um, um, volume and I did say that in my I put them both in the waiver article that week and I said you know I, I put them a little lo- a level lower than I wanted to so I'm just not sure if this offense can do it week in week out now they do play Western Kentucky so there is shootout opportunity there but I, I'm going to say sit both of them this week yeah I, I think that's a good call um, my next sit here is Devin Neal running back for Kansas um, he's been he's been good so far for fantasy he, purposes. He got me last week. Better watch out, Colin. Yeah, he's been good for fantasy purposes last week, but or for the, so far this year. But, um, you know, week one, four carries, 108 yards and two touchdowns, one catch for 10 yards. Um, week two, 10 carries for 42 yards and two touchdowns, uh, one catch for 17 yards, another touchdown. He's averaging eight touchdowns a game, but more than two touchdowns per game. Like that's just that's just not sustainable. Just, Wait, what? 
He's averaging eight touches per game. You, uh, you said he's averaging eight touchdowns a game. I was oh, like, eight touches. What? No, no, he's no. There's no way. Eight that's touches <laughs> and more than two touchdowns. Okay. Per game. Thank you for for clearing that up. And maybe I heard wrong because it was touches because you don't listen. Touches, but touchdowns. no, it's fine. Um, maybe I so may have said it. Wrong. God, Colin, I'm driving this ship. I will kick your ass off. <laughs> I think you're going to say you're driving off a cliff um, or into an iceberg. <laughs> if, if I'm going out, you're going with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's not sustainable for Neil. Um, they get Houston this week. Um, they only give up 110 rushing yards per game on the ground. They give up over 340 passing yards um, through the air, though. So um, you said it was a Jalen Daniels week. It's I don't think it's a Devin Neal week. Uh, last one for me. Um, so look, Mizzou has a decent matchup this week against Abilene Christian, but I'm not starting Luther Burden. Didn't get a ton of targets last week. He didn't get a ton of targets week one either. If you remember, his whole entire week one was buoyed by the fact that he got two rushing touchdowns. I'm not sure you can continue to bank on that. He's still a good player. Like This is not a, a changing of my opinion at all on Luther Burden, but I just don't want to start him in fantasy until I see another week or two where he actually gets some targets. Uh, to make him a little more reliable of an option. When I can find a guy that's getting 14, 15, 16 targets a game, two, three, four, not going to cut it. Um, so I'm sitting with Luther Burden, and, and I'm doing it. I, I mean, there might not be another game a week that I really want to start him all year unless he uh, has a couple breakout games. Yeah, and I mean, that quarterback, uh, Brady Cook, has has been not very good at all. So How bad must Sam Horn be that he can't get out there, Colin? Think about that. People are asking. Many people. Uh, my last start or my last sit here is uh Caden Prather wide receiver for West Virginia. Old one. Um, look, Bryce Ford Wheaton has been dominating the looks 30 targets through two games. Next is Sam Jones with 14, Sam James with 14. Uh, and then Caden Prather with 11. Sam Jones, Sam Jones. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bryce Ford Wheaton also has four out of the five receiving touchdowns. Like this is his receiving core as much yep. as we liked Prather originally. Um, it's just, it's Bryce Ford Wheaton. Um, and Prather actually is also third on the team in snaps uh, behind Wheaton and James. He's 102 out of their 156 snaps. So um, not an every down player. Um, so uh, uh, I mean, yeah, but they run like four receivers at a time. So like in actuality, like kind of, almost is like how far Mostly. behind is the other guys in snaps do you, do you have that or you just have his third uh, i don't have the other ones pulled up but i just have him as typical. third 102 so for 100 out of 156 but i'm sitting prather um until further notice because it's really just been bryce ford wheaton he had six for 79 last week i don't know so um it was fine yeah but not not great not terrible what is it that have you ever seen watch chernobyl when they're talking about like the the nuclear material in the air and they have like that machine have you seen it i have seen chernobyl it's like not great not terrible and it's like it turns out that the machines just are so woefully unprepared to measure what's in the air yeah. like massive spoilers yeah it's like the titanic if you don't know what happened at the end of it the guys i'm sorry like read a damn book <laughs> um all right guys so that's gonna do it for tonight's show do you want to run through them quick oh yeah i forgot about that all right let's give all the people in one spot so they don't have to listen to 15 minutes worth of show uh, Malik Cunningham, Ontario Brown, Byron Cardwell, Stephon Cobbs, Zach Kuntz, Donovan Smith, Titus Swen, DJ Matthews slash Cam Camper, every running back in the Penn State Auburn game, and Luther Burden. 
I am sitting Nick Singleton, Adrian Martinez, Mac Hippenhammer, Brennan Armstrong, Christopher Brooks, Jaden Reed, Henry Parrish, Titus Swen, Devin Neal, and Caden Prather. All righty, guys. Check out everything over on uh, the Campus to Canton podcast feed on your way out. A um, ton of other shows on there each week. we got Debbie stuff for you if you just want that. We've got CFF stuff if you're just looking for that. If you're looking for some betting stuff for the week, bet on C2C, CFF with Jared and, and, and Chase and the Natty. We've even got the roundtable on there, guys, if you're looking for some NFL fix. And, of course, we come back later in the week as well with Canton Bound. We've got some actual NFL games to talk about this week. So maybe, just maybe, I will be a little less grumpy. Probably not. Count it, yeah. Until then, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Hi.